2: Receiver to the left. Back with a low snap, but handles it. Fires far side. Ball is caught. And K State needs to make the stop, and they don't. They lose contain, and he's down the sideline. Jalen Noll will score for Iowa State. They have the lead with 8.04 to go.
3: This is 365 Sports, powered by Sickham365.com. That's all it is. But there's a lot of airspace to cover for Milro. Still looking. Firing. Near corner. That's caught!
4: 365 Sports is presented by IdealMRI.com, high-quality MRIs for $497 or less, IdealMRI.com. Your health is important, so is your budget.
2: Eps, motions, Retzlaff's throw, it's brought in by the tight end, Rex, and then taken away
3: 65 Sports is also brought to you by Texas Farm Bureau Insurance, protecting Texans since 1952. Ray Davis. Here goes Ray. Say goodbye to Ray. Into the end zone. And the Cats are in control. You subscribe to our YouTube channel? Search 365 Sports on YouTube. Brought to you by TFNB, your bank for life.
5: Out of Blitz. One on one for neighbors. He's got it.
4: Touchdown. Oh, my goodness. Bobby neighbors.
3: 65 sports is turbocharged by Unite Private Networks. Find out more at UnitePrivateNetworks.com.
6: Power formation. Everybody lined up close to the football. Benson.
4: First down. Still running. Trey
6: Benson. All the way to the
2: end zone. Head trick. Touchdown for Benson.
3: Now here's Paul Catalina and Craig Smoke. Smokey
5: will be back tomorrow, but Craig and I taking you through the next three hours. We're loaded with guests today and segments and lots of stuff going on. But right off the top, we do have some breaking news uh, here in Waco in that Baylor has hired their new offensive coordinator. It did not take long. It is uh, former Cal, now twice former Cal offensive coordinator, but also Texas A&M, West Virginia, and former Texas State head coach Jake Spavitol. He is uh, on his way to Waco to join Dave Aranda staff Dave Aranda will be, uh, is scheduled to be here with us on this show tomorrow uh, in studio, so we will ask him about that. I'm not sure about uh, Jake Spavitol's availability at this time, uh, so if you're wondering if we're going to have him on, we don't we don't know yet, uh, but we are certainly working on it. But Craig, your thoughts on Jake Spavitol, the hiring at Baylor? It is a departure from the offense that they've been running for sure.
7: Uh, yeah, and that's what they needed. Uh, they didn't need to be doing the same thing that got them to 3-9 and nine this year and to 6-7 and seven a year ago. And it wasn't just the offense that got them there. The defense played their part as well. Special teams even contributed, chipped in uh, where they could seemingly. Uh, you know, you look back at last game, couple missed field goals, you know, things like that. Everything at one point or another, if not in certain games, all at once was an issue for the Bears. But the offense to me was – the, the side of the ball where you know that's not Dave Aranda's specialty and he did need to go outside whereas with the defense he can say okay I'm going to take this bad boy over and if we're going to you know sink this thing then I'm gonna at least going to be at the the wheel for it but offensively uh, you knew you needed a shake up there as well that's not your expertise where do you go where do you turn to and there were certain ideas of what they needed and you know Uh, up-tempo style of offense was, I think, right there at the very top of the list and and something a bit more flexible and something a bit more exciting and something that, you know, guys would want to play in or be able to transition to and, you know, make a quick impact through, you know, transfer portal additions and things like that. Uh, The guy has plenty of familiarity with the state of of Texas, as you outlined. I don't think that's always a need, but I do think that's a benefit, especially when, you know, you're going to have to go out there and in the transfer portal, sometimes a lot of it's like just getting guys to come back home, you know, so Mm -hmm. – um, what relationships does he possibly have from his previous stops, but also just though his time in the state? What connections does he maybe have to bring in a receiver who's across the country but looking to get back closer, you know? So um, got a lot of different relationships, uh, a lot of different knowledge gathered from these past few years, and I think probably his peak was, you know, the A&M ride, and then to the Texas State job when he first got it. Obviously, that didn't work out in the long run. G.J. Kinney's there, but he did a nice job at Cal. Um, you're going to look at the stats and not be blown away like, oh, it's a top 15 offense. It's, it's not that, but it is something that uh, – gives you hope that they can turn this thing around and you know be a bit more productive be able to score 30 plus points a game on a regular basis and if you can do that then i think you look at their their games played this year and that should help it's not going to guarantee anything but it should be you know a nice step forward so a big hire I thought that Matt Wells was a very intriguing candidate. Mm. I thought for a second there that that just seemed like the most logical choice, especially when you're talking about wanting some head coaching experience, but Spavital has that. Uh, So, yeah, he checks a lot of boxes, um, and I'm excited to see what he can do and where they start to – you know, maneuver in terms of what they want to do with this offense and what that's going to look like.
5: I actually uh, coached a game against Dave Aranda a couple years ago. Yeah. Um, you know, when when Baylor had uh, has had Texas State on the schedule before. You know, in the years before GJ Kenny, this is Court's GJ's uh, first year uh, there in San Marcos. Uh, I. Um, I, I did a top five the other day, Craig, and I mentioned Jake Spavittal in it. It was that was it,
7: really well received by
5: Baylor fans. It, wasn't it? it was not well received by Baylor fans. I and I'll tell you this: I don't think that there's a name short of, you know, um, someone like from the Georgia staff or like that that was going to get people excited. Like Will Stein, yeah, Oregon. like Will Stein, like that would have been like, oh yeah, they got it. But you know, but that was that would have been unrealistic. You know, like like I I do think that. It's funny how um, – oh, Dana Holgerson. Just get Dana Holgerson to be the offensive coordinator. You know, the, all right, I mean, you know, like guy just got fired for a job. He You know, he left West Virginia for it. Is he really going to jump back in that fast? I, I, you know, um, he's got a massive – like, he doesn't have to do anything. Like, you know, it's just kind of a different thing. Jake Spavitol is an interesting choice. And, look, he – here you mentioned also recruiting through the portal, Craig. If you remember – um He did, I mean, I think, I don't know how badly long-term it hurt his relationship with the Texas high school coaches because I'm sure they were mad about it at first, but he did say, you know, he did have that one year where he recruited completely out of the portal. So, and that's not what Baylor needs to do this year, like that plan, but they do need to be in the portal heavy. So it seems like you've got a guy who's done some of the things that you need him to do, and you, you don't have, like, this is not a... Let's see how this guy can be. You know, Mike Gundy can hire a Division two defensive coordinator and bring him up a little while because, you know, he's got. He's playing he, in his second
7: Big 12 title in three years. Yeah, exactly. He's that luxury. Yeah, yeah, so he
5: can do that. Dave Aranda is three and nine. Like, he needed to do something like, okay, there's a lot of boxes he has to check. We have to fi- find an offense that's going to work for whatever personnel we currently have on the roster that we think we're going to keep. Uh, also, uh, to point towards personnel that we want to add to the roster and what we're going to recruit to should this all work out going forward. He's got a year to do this. So that's why, to me, Jake Spavital makes a whole lot of sense.
7: I mean, yeah, maybe he pissed off some Texas high school coaches a few years back when that was the approach. It obviously didn't work out well. I mean, nothing ended up working out all that well for him at Texas State, which is why, you know, that, uh, that tenure ended, you know, as, as the way that it did, but um, – that's how they're going to have to get better this they're not going to go into the uh into the regular recruiting circles and we're going to get our 18 freshmen and our two juco's and our you know whatever and then we're gonna you know folk no they, they have to be in the portal that's the mm-hmm. only way to fix this thing is to be in the portal and to then develop the guys that you already have on your roster and sure there might be a sprinkling of young guys that could come in right away and help you in certain uh fashions but for the most part like I think your team hinges on the portal now. I mean, it hinges on what decision you were going to make here at offensive coordinator and also on what Dave Aranda will be able to do with the defense. But in terms of plugging the talent holes that they have, that's all going to be portal, uh, in my mind at least. And so, yeah, they're going to be very active there. But just in general, you know, that's just part of the deal is getting the talent on campus now, and they have a little bit more, uh, you know, room to focus on that now because they've got a big decision out of the way. This was the big decision. We know Dave is, is going to take over the defense. Uh, Matt Palage is going to stick around and help out with that. But the other question then became, okay, well, who's going to command the offense? We now know it's Jake Spavitol, so that's a big box that's checked off. And, yes, now you focus on recruiting in the portal and and doing whatever you can there to, to bring in some talented players to uh, help out the guys that you – are retaining like a Dawson Pendergrass and the rest kind of remain to be seen at this point but yeah I mean I think it's good news for wide receivers I think it's good news for uh, your quarterbacks which right now is basically Sawyer Robertson and RJ Martinez so they kind of needed a third quarterback at this point so that's part of the to-do list and uh, you know what remains to be seen kind of the wide-ranging effects I mean for one is he quarterback's coach and if so, what does that mean for Sean Bell? Mm-hmm. Um, I, that's one of the first things that I wondered because Favital's you know, typically the quarterbacks coach, so um, that makes you uh, think that there's, you know, more moves to come, and how exactly that will unfold, I don't know. But he, you know, he's had success. He mentioned his couple of stints at West Virginia. Um, he's, he's been all over the place in, in terms of, uh, you know, being around kind of the state of Texas in the Big 12. So I think he's, you know, a guy that just makes a lot of sense. He checks a lot of the boxes, and, you know, hopefully he's the, the right guy at the right time at the right place. And for Dave Aranda's sake, he better hope so as well.
5: Yeah. Uh, I uh... – I think that him arriving is not necessarily good news for Eric Mateos if he wanted to stay because that's a completely different – like, you're talking about big line splits and, and a lot of different things are going to do with the offensive line. And usually the offensive line coach is the first assistant that they bring on, Um, you know, that are a quarterback coach. So we'll see what it means for the – it could mean a lot of different things for the entire offensive staff. We, we don't yeah. know. You I mean, know, like, what
7: we know is that yeah. um, Eric Mateos wants to stay at Baylor, yeah. but he's also – Smart enough, as all the other coaches are, to understand the situation. So, yeah, I don't know anything right now, but you can put two to two, two and two together. Like, for example, the fact that Spavitol is a quarterback's coach. Like, I don't know if that's great news for Sean Bell, but we'll see. Um, obviously, Sean's a, a different case in that he's a big-time Baylor alum and former football player, and it was a big deal, when Matt Rule hired him a few years back. Um, but, yeah, offensive line-wise, if you're Eric Mateos, is this a, a fit? Is this a fit that you can adjust to, or is Spavital going to – want to make a change there as well. That's all, I think, up in the air. I mean, some of the guys are going to stay on. Like, they're not going to completely wipe the the entire offensive slate clean. But, yeah, there are a couple of areas where you're like, huh, does that squeeze somebody out? Um, That's just the the cold, hard nature of business, not just college football business, but business in general. Um, So we'll see on that front. Don't want to speculate too much, but you can kind of, you know, like I said, put two and two together in some cases. Uh, So, yeah, yeah. we'll uh we'll see there but more changes are coming yeah this isn't the last decision to be made or the last coaching hire to be made most likely this offseason
5: yeah I think there's there's going to be different things going on there and I oh, look I think it's an interesting hire and I would like to tell all those people on the board uh ha, 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 I was right uh <laughs> But um, that's Garrett can tell you that when I got the news, that's not exactly how I put it. No, Uh, no, a little mild. (laughs) That was that was the polite way of saying Mm -hmm. it. Um, (laughs) uh, But uh, yeah, we we are loaded today. Angelique Chingalis is going to. Join us in the uh, next segment. She's going to talk Michigan and Iowa. Uh, I'm very curious to hear the perspective of Michigan like, going into this game against Iowa, especially also a reporter who gets to cover the last day of the Big Ten West. Because it, it ends as soon as the game's over, um, and uh, we'll have her. We've got Max Olson. We have our picks, which will come up after Angelique. We have Taylor McArg. We have Mickey Spagnola. We have Cole Kubalik today from SEC Network. So we are Mickey Spagnola. So we are loaded up today. Plus Craig Smokes off the radar in my top five later on in the show. Uh, some other news: uh, transfer portal. Did we mention Grayson McCall yesterday? I don't think so. Grayson McCall, uh, Coastal Carolina, had a lot of success under Jamie Chadwell. He's in a transfer portal, Craig. Uh, just came down probably about 1 o'clock. DJ Uyangalale, he is in a transfer portal. Now, he is deciding whether to go pro or come back for another year. He's waiting on his report from the NFL on what he's going to do, but he will be in the portal uh, if he he does choose to come back and available for anybody. Now, you could put two and two together and guess where he might wind up, and I would say that um, Michigan State not having a – a quarterback on the roster and their coach being Jonathan Smith leads you to believe that maybe he would go there if he comes, if he comes back to college. But, but I don't know, he had a good year at Oregon state. Uh, things really worked out for him there. It looked like he kind of bounced back off of the, the negativity, uh, that followed him out of Clemson. So we'll see what happens with DJU.
7: Yeah, he'll be immediately eligible, even though this is his second time to transfer. So, um, yeah if you're going to be on the move then following the guy who you had a lot of success with this past season and and who you went to Corvallis to play for uh would make a lot of sense that would be you know great news for Michigan State obviously that would raise some questions but in general when you know about about their current roster but in general when you're you know changing head coaches that there's going to be some roster disruption so um yeah I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Jonathan Smith bring DJU along and just kind of keep that up just in a different location. So, uh, yeah, big name there in the portal. Was very happy to see him go and have the success that he did uh, at Oregon State, given how rough the ending there was in Tuscaloosa, or at least appeared to be. So, yeah, that was a great story this season. Uh, that whole run by Oregon State, which is not quite yet over because they have a bowl game to play yeah. in, but for all intents and purposes, is, is pretty much over. The Jonathan Smith part is at least. That was one of the better stories in college football uh, this year. But, yeah, Grayson McCall, I mean, the quarterback position, here's the thing, they, they haven't even fully opened the portal yeah. yet. I mean, this is just guys that can, you know, just move on now and graduated and, and whatnot, but, like, I mean, come next week, that thing is going to be just the floodgates open and everybody else gets to join the party. And so we're already seeing what a 12, 15 deep quarterback class already developing here with with the various guys that have thrown their names into the hat. And we were talking about this the other day, but if you're like Blake Shapin, who – It was a very weird reaction by Baylor fans because I guarantee like 70% of the people who hated on him the most were suddenly like, Aranda loses shaping now, like, can't do anything right. I swear those are the same people in most cases, but, you know, he jumps in the portal and my first thought was, that's great, but let's see who else jumps in there as far as what his options may be because, you know, you were like, well, what about Wake Forest? And Wake Forest, like, maybe that's a landing spot for him, but... Not if there's like 20 other quarterbacks that are higher ranked than him when all is said and done. And I think it's fair to say that he just dropped a couple spots behind DJU and Grayson McCall at at least. So, uh, you know, best of luck to him. But, yeah, that's a crowded pool that's only going to get more crowded. Dante Moore from UCLA yeah. uh, also announced that well, he's entering the transfer
5: he, portal. He becomes uh, probably the second most sought after one after Riley Leonard, although Riley Leonard reportedly had do not contact on his, yes. meaning that he has decided where he wants to go. Mm-hmm. So or he's decided where he wants to visit. And if if you're not in those places, then don't call. So he's he's in the portal as a do not contact. And most people think he's going to Notre Dame, mm-hmm. but I do think Auburn is in the water for him a little bit. Sure. Uh, I think Auburn's gonna be in the like I thought they got down the road a little bit on Grayson McCall last year and they took his name out of the portal. So here are like uh, but Dante Moore was the number one quarterback in the recruiting class a year ago. This is very similar to, like, Justin Fields being in it. Um, yeah. Although he did not have the kind of, like, he was okay this year at UCLA when he yeah. played. I mean, he, he wasn't, you he, know.
7: he was a freshman. I mean, yeah, he, he was a freshman. He's got talent, but he very quickly was a very much a freshman. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, Garbers eventually ended up replacing him. But, yeah, I mean, he's a guy who committed and was committed to Oregon. He flipped to UCLA. He was a big deal, number two overall prospect, um, big-time you know, player, and it was very hit or miss, yeah, with Chip Kelly last year to the point of, you know, eventually not even being the guy there at the end of it. But, you know, um, I wonder if, you know, some of the the teams that, we're hanging around him the first time. We'll be hanging around him again. Now A and M was heavy on him the first time, but is that different now though? That it's Mike Elko. But yeah. if you need a quarterback, I mean, there's another guy. Yeah, absolutely, there's another guy that, that Chapin goes behind, and I don't want to focus just on him, but just just saying, yeah, like but, it's it's crowded, and that there's going to be a long list of players, and you better, you know. Be uh be smart about that decision because it, it might not end up as, as great as you think because of how crowded it's gotten. But yeah, Dante Moore, that's an interesting one. Um, and we'll see, you know, what kind of attention he gets right away. But uh, he he had some good moments. You see the talent. It's just it wasn't quite there and ready to to rock right away as a as a true freshman there for Chip Kelly.
5: Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll throw out you know okay we already mentioned Riley Leonard, Moore, uh, DJU uh, all in the portal uh, as is uh, Will Howard. Grayson McCall, uh, we mentioned him. Um, Gary Bohan is in the portal. Noah Kim from Michigan State is in the portal uh, as, as the more recognizable Look, name. Look,
7: somebody from Texas like Malik Murphy yeah. may Ty- very
5: well end up there. Tyler Van Dyke from Miami's in the portal. Yeah. Hank Bachmeyer, who's been at Boise State and Louisiana Tech. Uh, you might recognize the name. Will Rogers from Mississippi State in the portal. Uh, KJ Jefferson uh, yeah. is, is in the portal. He's one uh, – he's an interesting one to me. Um, he is – had moments, and Garrett, I know you watched, you've watched him several times. Yeah. Uh, he has had moments where he looks like, holy cow, who is this dude? And then he's had times where Arkansas has not been very good. So I'm not sure what to make of him, but I do think that he will wind up in a place where people might go, oh, because he has the upside of him, especially as a veteran quarterback, is, is I think pretty high. No, it is. I think that there's a lot of places that would be good fits for him. I, I think when that first happened initially, most people probably thought TCU, right? Like, go back and re, reunite with Kendall Brawls or whatever. But, no, he's an interesting fit. Um, maybe Mississippi State would work for him, too. Like, I, I don't know, man, but I, somebody's going to get him good. Yeah, I. Um, he's uh, – my top five later on is top five fits for – some of the portal quarterbacks, um, DJU happened afterwards. I'll just say, fit for DJU is Michigan State. <laughs> like mm-hmm. if you're if you can rewind the show uh, later on, if you're like, oh, he left that out, but uh, he he hadn't put his name in the portal yet, so I didn't put him in there. Um, but I did throw some I did throw some names on there, and and KJ Jefferson is one of them. So there's there's a lot of interesting. Things going on right now. Dante Moore hadn't happened
7: uh, yet. Either, well, and so. he won't officially till Monday, yeah, but, but that's like, where all the arrows are pointing. So, yeah, there's a lot of stuff already going on. And, and like I said a few minutes ago, come Monday, that thing's really going to bust open, and we'll get the official you know entries, and that's going to be – wild to sort through but a lot of fun too
5: yeah Dante Moore did remember picked UCLA over Oregon Oregon took Austin Novosad who had been committed to Baylor but Oregon is not gonna have Bo Nix next year so um and I think part of the reason that maybe he started to swing back the other way was you know Bo Nix like yeah there was a time where people thought like oh he might go to the NFL but that was never really going to happen he's going to the NFL this year so um I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Oregon back in the water for him completely if he was he was already well down the road with them last year. So yeah, just tons of cool, like, and we haven't even really gotten like. There's some other guys, skill position players in the portal. Like Rayleigh Brown from USC was a was a five star receiver um, that was red. Their plan was to redshirt him. They redshirted him, and he's leaving USC to go somewhere else. Like he would probably be the biggest name in recruiting circles to be in the portal. But there's not a lot of uh, other guys like offensive linemen like those guys haven't really started to trickle out right now it's the quarterbacks because they also know that like those are the f- spots to fill up quickly and you know going like matt rule you know you know, he, he let the secret out on how much it costs. So I
7: mean, I don't know how much of a secret like, it really was. But, but I he's think, the
5: first one to, like, really say it Yeah, like because
7: that. I think he looked at the sticker price of what he's about to go buy. Yeah. And he was shocked <laughs> by it. That's why. Because he's, he's now getting the taste of it being back in the game. And I think he was just speaking out loud of, like, oh, geez. Uh, we've been scanning the aisles here, and we realized that Uh, we're going to need to pony up a million and a half at least for a quarterback because Lord knows they need a quarterback up there in Lincoln, Nebraska right now. Um, You know, had some admirable efforts there, but certainly an area where they can improve. (laughs) If you ask them,
5: what would you rather have, a quarterback or would uh, like – We could stop collecting trash for a year. They're like, look, we can deal with trash. Yeah. We'll do it ourselves. Like, come on. They'll, they'll take the quarterback for sure. Uh, by the way, thank you. Uh, on the chat room, who told me, who told me, who told me, uh, Boomer Lee, MJ Morris from NC State decided to redshirt at the end of this year. Uh, and now he's in the portal. So MJ Morris from NC State, another guy who started some games, I believe he started four games, then decided to redshirt because he could have, do that because you can play four games and then redshirt so he is in the portal as well and he'll be out there and he played he helped get nc state's season kind of back on track uh, before he redshirted they turned back to Brent armstrong the transfer from virginia when we come back we'll talk michigan and iowa with angelique shingellis of the detroit free press this is 365 sports
10: You don't want to miss our best price deals during the Black Friday sales event at Allen Samuels. This month, you can say big on the truck you've been looking for, like the new 2023 Rams. Designed to be durable, functional, and stylish, Ram trucks give you that first-class feel. With premium options like luxurious leather trim seating, surround-view cameras, plus exceptional legroom and storage, hurry in and shop our great selection in-store or online today. Shop an award-winning dealership with award-winning products. Allen Samuels in Waco.
7: Pioneer Steel and Pipe opened their doors in 1943 and they have never wavered with their focus on great product and customer service, relationships with a handshake, making sure you, the customer, is satisfied. Their new facility is now twice the size, allowing new inventory, higher quantities, and in a much more organized fashion. In addition to the long lengths in tubing, angles, channels, rods, and flat, Pioneer Steel and Pipe now offers several shorter, more convenient lengths of material already cut. Their 2,500-square-foot showroom has over 1,000 new products and stock, new welding supplies, hardware, quick creep, and do-it-yourself components for any project, whether you are a professional contractor or weekend warrior. The new facility is designed to make your loading experience faster and more efficient with easy drive lanes around the building and much more room to get your trailer loaded. Our location may have changed, but our values haven't, and our relationship with customers goes much farther than just business. Pioneer Steel & Pipe on Loop 340 and Highway 6 and just east of I-35 in Waco.
10: Automatic Chef Canteen is a full-service micromarket vending and office coffee provider with state-of-the-art vending equipment, a wide variety of products, and offering custom-fitted micro-market vending office coffee solutions for your employee break room. You want a full break room solution and a workplace oasis? Well, Automatic Chef Canteen, locally owned and operated for over 50 years in Central Texas, also includes in-house mechanics on call 24-7 for fast, reliable service and maintenance. Automatic Chef Canteen, 6900 and here you'll drive in Waco or online at automaticchefcanteen.com
8: Looking to connect with Baylor alums in your area?
10: Baylor alumni can help. Looking to host a watch party in your city? Baylor alumni can get you started. Want to step out in your community and serve with other alums? Baylor alumni is your connection with the university and each other. Let's get started. Learn how at baylor.edu slash alumni.
2: Stepping into a new pair of boots is great, but stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can also add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. There are more than 150 occupational specialties to help them find the best fit for their future. See all the things your son or daughter can achieve in our boots at goarmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or
3: 254-776-1543. This is 365
4: Sports. The 3 o'clock hour is sponsored by Waco Custom Marketplace. Meats, sweets, Texas treats, and a cut above the rest. 425 Lake Air Drive, Waco.
5: Welcome back, 365 Sports. Our good friend Angelique Chingelis joins us now, Detroit Free Press. She's covered Michigan for for a very long time. She's one of the best, if not the best, on that beat, and that's why we get her every time we need to talk Michigan in the Big Ten for this show. Angelique, this is a game without a lot of intrigue to it because of Iowa's offense and their and, or their lack of offense. Uh, where is the where is the excitement in this game for fans, uh, other than if you're a Michigan fan, them winning the Big Ten and then getting to the college football playoff?
8: Yeah, I
11: think that's pretty much it. I mean, I think it's Michigan fans wanting to win the third straight title and, and having Jim Harbaugh back on the sideline. That's been sort of the big storyline since he was suspended the last three regular season games. Wasn't on the field where the – the, the Ohio State game last week which was kind of surreal um but I think that's been you know that's what Michigan fans want to see they want to see them beat Iowa obviously and and secure um, a number one or number two ranking in the college football playoff and and find out where they're going on Sunday but yeah I mean to your point it, it the Iowa offense is just not very intriguing and it's not very interesting and and uh you know it's going to be one of these defensive games that you no, know, if you like defense, I do. I'm, I, I'm really interested in seeing both of the defenses on, on Saturday night.
7: Angelique, what was the game like last week there with uh, Michigan able to fend off Ohio State, obviously put themselves in this position. Uh, a lot of heat going into that one. Pretty good contest. What were your thoughts coming out of
9: it?
11: Yeah, I thought it was a really good game. And Sharon and Moore uh, did a very nice job as the acting head coach again. I mean, he won the last three games as the acting head coach. And um, you know, I think that that probably bodes well for his future at Michigan, and, and whether his, you know this upcoming contract, whatever's going on with with Jim Harbaugh, would they make him the acting head coach? I mean, pardon me, the the head coach in waiting. I think that's something that that people are are thinking is probably likely for Sharon Moore. But but yeah, I mean, it was it was a very tight contest. I mean, it, you know, Ohio State had the ball at the end, and I, I really thought they were gonna go down the field and score. And, and Michigan's defense came up big. And, you know, a guy I've talked about all season is Jalen Harrell. I mean, he's, he's a disruptive force. And uh, I think Harbaugh called him a tone setter. And he, and he's the one who got in, in McCord's face and, and disrupted him and, and caused that, uh, that, that interception that Rod Moore caught for the, uh, to seal the win. So, yeah, I mean, I, it, it was a very close game. <laughs> I mean, a little different than the, the previous two wins against Ohio state, but, You know, it was everything they needed, and and it was magical again for the fans. They stormed the field just like they did two years ago when they snapped the eight-game losing streak. So, um, so they certainly enjoyed it.
5: Back to Sharon Moore for a second. I mean – Look, Michigan has to kind of be thinking they're lucky stars that he's worked out so well in this situation because we we had you on before, just last week, you asked you about Jim Harbaugh and his future, and they're, they're not, um, like you said, just to kind of reiterate that, tying a lot of their, their, star, their wagon to his stars, are they?
11: Well, I mean, I think a lot of Michigan fans really want to see this extension for Jim Harbaugh. I mean, and it was on the table. It was getting close to happening the week that all the Connor stallions and the sign stealing stuff broke. And then it was, it was temporarily withdrawn. And, you know, I think that there, I think the, the Michigan administrators people have to start looking at, well, what is coming? I mean, there is, there is the outstanding NCA investigation from the 2021 violations that they, they got the draft of the notice of allegations in January. And I, I expect that the NOA will come soon Uh, regarding that and and you know it seems to me that they did self-impose the three games but I I think that they will probably be looking at two or three more games suspension for Jim Harbaugh next year for that the first investigation and then with this latest sign stealing investigation who knows how long it's going to take the NCAA to get through this we we all know that they they it's very deliberate kind of a glacial pace but um, you already have one coach fired in, in Chris Partridge and and what we reported is that is that he was, you know, encouraging players not to be honest with with the investigators, and that's a level one violation. And, and under the new head coach responsibility rule that the NCA amended earlier this year, Harbaugh is responsible for this. So um, I think that there's a lot of trying to figure out what is coming from the NCA, how that will damage Jim Harbaugh in terms of game suspended and you know i think that's probably part of the holdup here in in terms of where this contract is
7: i just ask this as somebody that doesn't know what the the mood is like up there um which is part of why we're obviously having you on but that always kind of looming nfl threat with jim harbaugh kind of that side ramp that he always seems to have is that at all in people's minds right now as a possibility because of all the things that are going on currently
11: Sure, it is, and and there are going to be quite a few. There are already some NFL jobs there, and, and there are going to be more. And um, you know, it it is it's dependent on whether an NFL team wants Jim Harbaugh. I mean, you know, and I I, I always bring this up that he's going to turn sixty in December, which you know I don't I, he is a young sixty, but you know you do see this league is getting younger and younger in their in their head coaches. Um, you know, I I have got to believe there will be some a team with some interest. There has been these last two years. The Vikings he went for the interview in in 2022 and then earlier this year the Broncos so I I think that is something that that Michigan fans are, are concerned about and and you know I think when they're looking at this contract when both sides are negotiating I I gotta believe that something that Michigan wants in that contract is a, a promise an assurance that that the NCAA the, the NCAA the NFL interest is done finito and uh you know that's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out but I I've always thought the NFL is in play with with Harbaugh. And a couple years ago, he did talk about wanting to win a Super Bowl. Um, I don't think that that dream has has been extinguished, but maybe he wants to see where this season goes. And and then um, maybe if he gets that national championship trophy, maybe he's even more appealing to an NFL team.
5: Angelique, you've covered the Big Ten. Uh, This is the last... The, the last three days that the Big Ten West will ever exist. Once the game's <laughs> over, the Big Ten West is done, and it's now the the you know essentially the giant eighteen team league. Uh, and things will have to change for someone who's covered, especially the other side of that conference. How do you see the teams like Iowa, Minnesota? Uh, a, I mean, Wisconsin's already has by bringing in Phil Longo uh, and, and changing up their offense, um, changing to the new world because Iowa will not be able to do this again with the schedule that they will have
9: yeah
11: I mean that's a great point it's it's worked for them in the west division um but it I it it wouldn't work I don't think not as successfully in the east and and look I mean I I appreciate what I was done I mean with that defense and 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 they've got a great punter I mean he's the big 10 punter of the year for a second time in his career (laughs) Um, but yeah I mean you've got to have some some sense of an offense and and maybe it would have been better if Cade Mcamara hadn't been hurt they lost a couple tight ends Eric Hall, the other Michigan transfer uh, they lost a, a second tight end too so they, they have been behind it a little bit because of injuries but you know it, it, they're gonna they're obviously made a change with their offensive coordinator um, Ferrance's son and um, you know maybe that will that will give this um, this offense a little bit boost of energy or something that it's lacked because it's, it won't, it won't make it in the, in the East. I, I really, it, that's a really great point. And I wonder where they would finish in the current setup right now, if they were in the East, um, I, you know, I just, <laughs> the West has just been, it has been laughable and um, it's about time that, that it, it goes away for, for all of us. So we can enjoy some, some better football and, you know, across the board of the big 10
7: pretty clear that Michigan wins they're in the college football playoff for uh, the second year in a row uh, if they lose that kind of throws things up in the air obviously with Ohio mm-hmm. State's positioning that's very interesting uh, what do you feel is is kind of the uh, the I guess the mood when it comes to the playoff and uh, the potential for Michigan uh, not only uh, if they win obviously they're in but if they lose do you still see that pathway for them to get maybe that fourth spot or, or how do you see that going for the Wolverines?
11: Well, I I don't see it. I mean, I I think that they would be out if they lose this game, and and I'm not sure if it would be a close loss. If if the committee would look at that, I, I just think a loss boots from this. And I mean, there are deserving teams that are they're waiting just outside, and um, so I think that that's another thing that that Michigan fans, you know, they're I don't think they're taking Iowa lightly. Uh, I think they they're taking the offense lightly, but but this defense is for real, and. And turnovers can certainly make make a game much more interesting. So I do think this is. Um, I mean, what did Blake Coram say earlier this year? Championship or bust. And, and I think that's the approach to to this game. Because if they don't, I, I I think it's it's a bust. Then I just don't see them getting in.
5: Angelique, with uh, going back to Ohio State, I want to talk about them last week. They Ryan Day is one in three against Michigan. Mm-hmm. From the outside looking in, and the fans get really impatient with that. Uh, is there anyone who needs the twelve-team playoff more than him? So that one single rivalry game does not mean as much.
11: Yeah, I mean, and I think you can look at it uh, the other way. You know, that this was the last time this game is going to be that meaningful. What we saw last Saturday, and and that's a shame too. But um, but yeah, for sure with the twelve with the twelve-game playoff, you know, they would definitely be in obviously. And, um, but it does also set up the possibility with the the new alignment in the big ten that the two teams could play again as, if they finish one- two in the standings the next week, and then they could possibly play again in the playoffs. So I'm sure that that, that the committee would try to figure out ways to keep that from happening at least um, not too early in the playoffs, but um, yeah, I mean, it's a good thing for Ryan Day. And, and I don't know how much heat, heat he's taking right now. But, I mean, I think about that game against Georgia, how close they were to winning that game. And I, I think that they would have dominated TCU and, and won a national championship. So, you know, he was that close to winning a national championship, which would buy him a lot more room to breathe, I think, um, in terms of, of getting some forgiveness for, for losing three straight to uh, to their arch rival, but, I mean, he's a very good coach, and, and when you look at his overall record, I, I just don't know how you, you put him on the hot seat but, again, Columbus is different, so you
5: never know. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely
11: true. And I grew up in Cincinnati. I can say that.
5: <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Well, Angelique, thank you so much. Uh, enjoy the game. And if, if Kirk Ferentz somehow pulls this off, uh, maybe, like, get a witch doctor or something to see if he, like, <laughs> cast a spell. Or wh- I don't know how he would do it. But if he, if he finds a way to keep Michigan to, you know, six points, then more power to him, I guess.
11: Yeah, that would be masterful. I mean, three touchdown favorites and, and to do something like that would be pretty amazing. I, I don't see it happening, but um, but I could see them keeping it close you know, early on. So I guess we'll, we'll see Saturday night.
5: Angelique Chingelis, Detroit Free Press. Thanks, as always, Angelique.
8: Thank you. All
5: right. When we come back, we'll make our picks. Plus, uh, there's other Big Ten news, but it affects the Big 12, Craig, uh, that we have to talk about. Yeah.
7: Yeah, so. we can get into that. And, yeah, I, I didn't – I meant to phrase, or I guess I was yeah. thinking of my question for Angelique in a different way about Michigan in the playoff. Like, obviously, they lose to Iowa. Like, they're yeah. they're dropping out. But I guess if you – I guess I was kind of thinking if there's chaos all around them, like, what is the potential? Well, I mean, you look – Especially if, with Ohio State hanging there. Yeah. And you just beat them. You know, yeah. so – Um, Just, yeah, it's more just kind of picking the brain on the scenarios in front of them, but they sit well, just win and you're in.
5: If you have everybody at one loss, I think that would be the thing, right? That's where, you know, if they lost and Georgia lost and then Florida State lost and Washington lost and you've got everybody at one loss, right? You know, everybody who's played 13 games at one loss too, mind you. And then you can, that brings in, you know, well, what do you do about Georgia and Alabama? Like that's That would be the chaos is if everybody is at one loss. Right. Let's see it. Let's, let's see Let's the co- let's committee. Not. Yeah. <laughs> let's not. Let's see the committee see. have to sort through that. Let's see everybody but one team at one loss. That's all I care about. Yeah. Everybody else can lose. Don't care.
9: <laughs> fair enough. Yes, fair enough. You had skin in the game.
5: <laughs> I've got a lot of skin in the game. And and here's the deal. I'll tell you this. I'll worry about the playoff when they get to the playoff. Right. I just want them to win the conference for the first time in, in seven, eight years. Like, whenever that was. Like, that. That's that's kind of what I want this week I'll worry about anything else later on sure just just want to be able to say ACC chance again that's all I want when we come back our picks we'll have a special guest sitting right here because he's the only one who had different picks than everybody else so uh, we'll have him sitting right here right after this this is 365 sports the
1: right call can make all difference on and off the field. I'm Mark Stewart with Bird Colgin Ford. When it's time for a new car, truck or SUV, Bird Colgin Ford is the right call. Come check out our award-winning lineup of best-selling models in their class, like the Mustang, Explorer, Expedition, F150 and Super Duty. Make the right call for your next vehicle at Bird Colgin Ford. Bird Colgin Ford proudly supports Baylor Athletics, Sikkim Bears.
2: You're home with a 48-foot walk-in humidor with the elite cigar brands from around the world, including the number one cigar of the year, Aging Room Cuatro Nicaragua. Plus, they have the great brands like Macanudo and Artur Fuente, Rocky Patel, Aston, and so much more. CBD, great for sore muscles, aches and pains, sleep, vital dreams, and anxiety, mild depression, general health and wellness. Their staff, very knowledgeable on the subject. If anyone is curious about CBD, ask Ashley. John Schumanor in the Talwes Shopping Center off Valley Mills in Waco. Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness on Lakeshore Drive is a premier, elite, life-changing experience where you can change your mind, body, and soul. Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness offers over 40 group exercise classes each week, including boot camp, R, silver sneakers, and more. New bikes arrived and are waiting for you to test yourself, compete against yourself, with a screen monitoring your speed, miles, resistance, and power, and with indoor cycling classes every day. New free weights, weight machines, TRX, rowing machines, stationary bikes, new training. Mills, new elliptical machines on the spacious weight room floor. Personal training with Christy London, Randall Corley, Alex Botch, and Nathan Roach, where you will be encouraged and motivated to grow. A kids' club included with your membership, plus sauna whirlpool, and a tanning bit. Sixteen tennis courts, beautiful stadium court, and longtime youth tennis pro Brit Coleman, assistant junior pro, Kenneth, adult tennis lessons and clinics with Blake, and commitment to pickleball with eight courts and instructor Jody Thurman. Visit the website Wacotennis.com or visit us next to Hawaiian. Falls on Lakeshore Drive in Waco.
3: This is 365 Sports. The Sikkim 365 app is brought to you by Alan Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat. Come by. Let's be friends. Paul
5: Cannon, and Craig Smoke, and the lovely and talented Emery Winter is going to join us uh, here for our pickup segment. But first, Craig, breaking news on the offensive coordinator front for Penn State.
7: Uh, Yeah, there was uh, some rumors that there could be some Big 12 involvement here as uh, James Franklin and company go out to uh, find the, the next O.C. there for the Nittany Lions, and one of the names that was being bandied about was out there in Lawrence, Kansas, on Lance Leipold's staff with Andy Kotelnicki, and sure enough, I was just writing a little power rankings or mojo rankings thing last night about how that was uh, something to be on the lookout for as far as Kansas's off offseason goes, and, well, less than 24 hours later, uh, that move looks like it's uh, going to be happening. Uh, so Kansas now on the lookout for an offensive coordinator as uh, Andy Nicky is uh, heading to Happy Valley to join James Franklin and Penn State. So there you go. Hey. And obviously... You know, Jalen Daniels coming back, but then you wonder, like, okay, what is does that matter? Like, I don't yeah. know. I'm just saying, does that matter? But obviously, they've had some success with uh, the offensive side of the ball there, so that's that's a loss for KU. But Lance Leipold, I'm sure he'll be able to find a suitable replacement.
5: Yeah, I think he will. And, and look, Penn State needs needs that kind of juice. They need something because their offense, you know, looks fine when they play a team in the Big Ten or that's not Ohio State or Michigan. But when they play the big boys, they just don't score. A lot of hype
7: for Drew Aller that didn't really turn into much this past season, you know, because of, you know, uh, uh, I guess just expectations were so high for him. But, uh, yeah, that'll be somebody that you got to to turn to as well if you're you're Andrew Karanicki, so I think that'd be a good marriage there.
5: Yeah, absolutely. And, look, you've got a a highly – like, this is the highest-rated quarterback they've had at Penn State in a long time. You don't want to – like, you want to make sure it's him and not the scheme. Right. Mm -hmm. So like if you've you've kind of exhausted with the scheme because it's not just that quarterback that's not put up big numbers the last few years at Penn State. It's been kind of everybody there. And now you have Drew Aller, who's supposed to be the guy who's helping you take this next step, especially when you have some of the players that you have running backs and wide receivers that they they feel they've been better at that just didn't really hit this year at all. Noah Singleton, too, uh, you know, just a stud running back that they they didn't get a lot of it in the big games. And that's that's probably more scheme than it is talent, I would just say at this point. All right, Emery, how's it feel to be up here? Feels pretty good. All right. Good deal. I'm
7: I'm excited. Coming
9: to the main stage.
5: (laughs) Emery. Emery. All right. uh, So part of the reason I brought him up here, Smokey uh, obviously out today and he'll be back um, uh, at least for the first half of the show tomorrow uh, before he's got out of town. But uh, Emery uh, made different picks and even more different because I got one of them wrong. Uh, I, I, I didn't read it right. So let's go through the picks right now. We'll start at the front. Uh, Smokey, Craig, and I uh, all picked Oklahoma, and Garrett did as well. You see the records on the bottom. Emory and I are tied. Uh, we will not be tied after this week in any way, shape, or form. Uh, so uh, that is certainly going to be different. Uh, but, Emory, I'll let you go first. Why Washington over Oregon?
12: Uh, So it really goes back to yesterday whenever we had Tim Brando on. Mm-hmm. He was talking about – I mean, this really doesn't – this really doesn't matter for in this game, but I've just been salivating at the fact that an SEC team might not get into the playoff. Ooh. <laughs> and so with the Washington Oregon pick, I don't know. It also y'all were talking about uh, yesterday just how Romeo Adonza uh, Adonza Roma Dunze Adunze, Adunze uh, he just always makes plays whenever they need him, and so it, I'm just kind of leaning on that. You know, Oregon's obviously incredible. Um, but I just think Washington might pull it out. Craig, uh,
7: yeah, I, I just think it's hard to beat somebody twice, uh, and I think with the run that Oregon's on, it makes it even that much harder. Washington has been plenty good, but I do think there's, you know, they're at least more susceptible now than they they were the first time around, and uh, yeah, I just think this is more about Oregon and less about. Um, you know, Washington per se. I just think that at, the, at this moment, if like I said yesterday, we are going like, who's the four best? To me, I think the Ducks are among the four best right mm-hmm. now. I, for, for right or wrong, I, I do believe that. So, yeah, I just think they carry in a lot of momentum. Uh, they're playing really, really well. And, you know, Washington's been a bit hindered at times, just kind of a little bit banged up here and there. Uh, I'm looking to see if Jalen Poe can get back to it. A couple games of not getting a catch, but uh, that's a really good player who's not had a, a – you know he's had some drop issues here lately. This would seem like a prime game for him to get back in the fold and, and help out Dunze, among others. But this is going to be awesome. You know, I, I just think that uh, it was such a close game the first time around, and now it's not on Washington's field. You know, now it's got bigger stakes, and there's been a few games that have passed by, and I just think the ducks are rolling. So I'm, I'm going with uh, UO.
5: Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think that the ducks are, are just playing really, really well right now. All right, to the next game, we all pick Texas. By the way. Um, uh, I went four and one last week. Uh, Craig went four and one last week. Smokey went three and two, um, and Garrett went four and one. Emery, you went three and two. So uh, that is where uh, we have done. So everybody kind of picked up on, on Smokey a little bit, except for you. Uh, so um, not that it like
7: you know. You we tricked was- you. This isn't for you to pick. This is for us to make fun of you on the show. Put the spotlight on him. <laughs> uh,
5: okay, so uh, we all picked Texas except for you, Emery. And I'm going to I'm going to tease your, right. your opinion on this. Yeah, we'll take we'll take an L uh, on this one. I just think that it's a bad matchup for the Pokes. Uh, but Emery, you um, you've grown up a Baylor fan your whole life, correct? Correct. Yes. And you have hated both these teams your whole life, correct? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> you had a particularly traumatic experience as a youth at an Oklahoma State game. Am I correct?
12: Yes, they were not very nice to me.
5: Okay. As a kid, as a kid, little kid, not like a youth now where you're 22 years old, like a youth of, you know, like 9, uh, 10 years old. They picked on you then. So I was surprised to see this given your, um, your past with the Pokes. And you're, you are an Oklahoma native. Yes. So explain yourself here.
12: Uh, so this one, this was just pure emotion. I mean, I know Texas, they do not – OSU does not match up well with Texas. Um, but I just can't see – I just refuse to let myself believe that Texas will walk out of the Big 12 <laughs> with the championship. <laughs> that was that was purely the reason. Um, but then with the OSU pick, yeah, I mean, that's just when my Oklahoma ties – they, okay. they stand out. All right. He's being a homer. I yeah, mean, he's, Yeah, he's
7: being a, a homer and, and representing the home state, and that's that's totally fine. I mean, who's to say, right? Who's to yeah. say that he doesn't turn out right in the long run? Um, but just, I don't know, looking at everything else, <laughs> it's like how do you not pick Texas in this game? I mean, the, the biggest strength for the Cowboys is going up against one of the biggest strengths for the Longhorns, and then you go beyond that. And I suppose that Alan Bowman, I mean, he certainly can throw for 300, and Rashad Owens and company can make some big catches for you. I mean, there's ways that this can unfold, turnovers. um, But just on paper and and not giving the benefit of the doubt that, you know, Quinn Ewers is going to throw like three picks and fumble once, I I have to go Texas. I I, You know, I, I think that they're the best team in the Big 12, and they've been pretty clearly that for a while now. Um, they've had their struggles. Like, Let's not make it out to be like they've just been King Kong yeah. tearing down cities with you know little resistance. That hasn't been the case. Um, so we'll see. Like, I, I like that it's a first-time matchup. But actually it actually was a blessing in disguise that these two teams didn't play during the regular season, so now we get something a little bit fresh. But, yeah, I just there's just too many categories or little boxes side-by-side that I checked that seemed to favor the Longhorns over the Cowboys here. But, hey, it's Mike Gundy. I'm sure he'll have his team prepared to play hopefully well – uh, rested and, and far more ready and locked in to play than they were against BYU, uh, who gave them all sorts of fits last weekend. Uh, so hopefully we see a better start from them so that this game can be as competitive as possible. But yeah, Texas just, just is too good in my mind, and so I go with the Longhorns.
5: All right, uh, in this next pick, we all picked Georgia, and I had Emory picking Georgia because I did not maybe believe my eyes when I got the text from Levi that Emory had picked Alabama. But Emory, you've picked Alabama. Now, I'll tell you, I just think that Alabama cannot do the things they've done all year and gotten away with against the other teams, against Georgia, mostly the penalties. They commit a ton of penalties, uh, and I think that'll come back to bite them. But uh, Jalen Milrose has been on fire lately, and so has that defense. So defend your pick. Uh,
12: So in the position that I'm in, I wasn't quite sure what the overall records were going to be. Okay. But I figured I needed to make a splash. So I was going risk it for the biscuit. <laughs> okay. And I just – I mean – The Michigan and Florida State picks, I had to go with Florida State because, you know, you. But then Michigan, I just couldn't get myself to pick Iowa. But the other three, I thought, all right, that's where I can make up some ground. So I had a feeling y'all were going to go with Georgia.
7: Yeah. So you are picking Alabama because it says yes. Georgia, but you're picking yeah, I, Alabama. Yeah, I made that okay. mistake when I, I put it all together. Okay, just to be clear for everybody following along there. Uh, yeah, Alabama and uh, and Jalen Milrow have been a, a great story down this stretch run. I mean, the improvement that we've seen from him, especially since that Texas game, has been uh, very cool to see and very excited about his future. But, I mean, Georgia's the juggernaut. I just feel like uh, they're the better overall team. But, I, you know, I don't, I don't have a lot of rocket science here. I, I just think that um, – based on what i've watched from both teams this season i give the nod to georgia but i'm just I, honestly i just am just so excited to watch this game i'm so yeah. thrilled to to watch this on saturday Um, So, yeah, I give the nod to the back-to-back champs who will then make their way into the playoff and try to become the first modern-day three-peat national champions. Uh, I think that that'll be in play, and then we can put to rest the Alabama playoff spot and whether they deserve to get in over Texas and all of that. uh, I don't think that that'll be a storyline because then the dogs take care of business. But, man, what a potential classic we have on our hands. It's hard, though, to to pick against Georgia, even if it is Alabama on the other side. All right.
5: uh, This one we don't need to spend any time on at all. I'll just do what I did uh a couple hours ago when i asked everybody no one here smokes crack right, right. <laughs> we're we're good all right no one suffered any kind of I didn't hear any nose
7: actually no, yeah. nervous <laughs> laughter uh,
5: no 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 one suffered a head injury in the in the time before they came in
7: not that i can remember
5: okay good okay so everywhere i'll picking michigan it's there, like, you know. Um,
7: yeah, just don't see how I was going to make this a 10 7 game or a 13 10 game. I, I, I don't think that they can limit Michigan to, to that effect, nor do I think that they would then go and score enough points to then, you know. Yeah, I just like, okay, it's say hard Mich- to see this one.
5: Okay, say Michigan it has 13 points. Yeah. Are they going to score four, two right, exactly. whole two whole touchdowns? Exactly. Are they yeah. going to do that? No, they're not. Uh, even Emory, in his desperation to get, uh, you know, to make a move, uh, didn't even do this. Florida State and Louisville. Uh, we all have across the board picked Florida State. Uh, I I think this when it comes to Tate Rodemaker. He is he is the kind of the pivotal player of the college football playoff right now in a lot in a lot of ways. But I think that even though Louisville's defense is statistically better than Florida's, that Louisville's had a better season than Florida. It is different when you're playing if you're Florida State playing Louisville than you're Florida State playing Florida. The weight of that rivalry game at the swamp on the road, being your first career start, uh, was huge. He made it through valiantly, although not. It was not anything special. He had three or four moments that made the game, and that's all that it took. Florida State's going to win this game on defense. Um, Louisville would also win this game on defense. Florida State wins this game on defense. And Rodemaker's probably a little better than he was last week against Florida because the the, the pressure of – I mean, losing – I cannot imagine what it would be like for the guy – Losing your first game as a starter in the swamp and taking your team out of the college football playoff would not be good. So he availed himself very well and showed some guts. So um, I have faith in my guys.
12: Emory, any thoughts on this one? Uh, I won't name names, but I was told if I don't pick FSU, then I I was threatened. <laughs> How dare you, Jack? <laughs> <laughs> Why is Paul elbowing him over here on the we all <laughs> yeah. can't see it? Yeah.
7: But, yeah, I, I pick Florida State. I mean, they're unbeaten. And, uh, yeah, you're right. Tate Rodemaker didn't have the greatest performance in the world, but they were good enough around him. that's my whole beef with the the playoff discussion. It's like, well, if Jordan Travis isn't playing there, but they went and won last week without yeah. Jordan Travis. And I know it wasn't, uh, you know, facing Michigan or something along those lines, but they won because the rest of the team's also kind of good. So we're mm-hmm. going to punish the good defense. We're going to punish... Keon Coleman, or we are going to punish those guys because the quarterbacks hurt? I just don't understand that. Um, but, look, it's in their hands now. I mean, they're going to make the playoff if they win this game. If they lose, they're not. And, and they're also not going to take home an ACC title, and that would be brutal. But, yeah, I think it's going to be something similar to last week where it's uh, kind of grimy and – uh, it's it takes a little while to separate, but eventually they're going to make a play on defense or Keon Coleman or somebody on offense will bake you know make a play. I think they're gonna, somebody's going to make a play for them to separate, and I think they're just uh, I think they're this is a clear choice for me if Travis is healthy. Obviously, mm-hmm. it is a very much a tighter choice with Rodemaker, but I'm I'm resting. On uh, or leaning on the rest of the playmakers they have on that roster uh, to, to be able to, to push them over the finish Look, line.
5: Two touchdowns from Jaheim Bell this week. You heard it from me right here. Two touchdowns, Jaheim Bell, the tight end. Emory, you did great. I appreciate you've, you've, it. You've got a future. Emory is uh, one of the most valued members of our staff, and now you get to see him. So, and if you have daughters or nieces or next door neighbors that are looking for a handsome young man, my DMs are open. <laughs> there DMs you are go. Open. There you go. At big sexy thirty two on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's he and he's worth he's worth tens of millions of dollars. Yeah.
7: One day. If he, if he gets these picks right, though, we'd have to bring him back for the victory lap because, yeah, my gosh, sure. that would be a lot of carnage this weekend, but it would be a lot of fun to watch.
5: Absolutely. When we come back, Max Olsen of The Athletic. This is 365 Sports
1: call can make all the difference on and off the field i'm mark stewart with bird Colgin ford when it's time for a new car truck or suv bird Colgin ford is the right call come check out our award winning lineup of best-selling models in their class like the mustang Explorer, expedition f-150 and super duty make the right call for your next vehicle at bird Colgin ford bird Colgin ford proudly supports baylor athletics Sikkim bears
7: Texas.com member FDIC and equal housing lender. Waco Custom Marketplace 425 Lake Air Drive
2: in Waco is your holiday item superstore. Half spiral hams, eight to ten pounds for four forty-five a pound. Pit hams, twelve pounds for four forty-five a pound. Bone-in hams, eighteen to twenty-two pounds for three forty per pound. Whole raw turkeys from twelve to sixteen pounds for two fifty a pound. Whole smoked turkeys—that's smoked turkeys at nine to twelve pounds for three dollars and seventy-five cents a pound—and many pit hams. See Six to eight pounds for $5.99 a pound. And don't forget they have full service butcher shop where you can find what you want pork. Poultry, seafood, and beef, and I bring up the beef because big beef tenderloin or a prime rib. Brian Bauer and the Bauer family, full-service bakery with fresh-baked kolaches every morning and bread. And cold beer and wine, tailgate needs from pellet fuel to charcoal. Waco Custom Marketplace and the holiday items, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco.
12: It was broad
10: daylight. I stepped into a gas station for five minutes to grab a snack, and just like that, my car was broken into. They made out like a bandit. My laptop, my phone, everything. I called my agent to see what could be done, and he restored my faith in humanity. My claim was processed so quickly, and I was able to recover my losses. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation some say a dog is
13: a man's best friend but i tell you what boys you better think again cause there ain't nothing better than some cows pigs and
0: turkeys too i love to cover them in all
10: your friends to Rudy's for some tasty
3: oak smoke barbecue next in line (laughs) this is 365
4: sports powered by Sikkim 365.com the four o'clock hour is sponsored by Boozer's Jewelers the wedding ring store specializing in custom jewelry and repair all in-house now, here's Paul Catalina and Craig Smoke.
3: Max Olsen the Athletic. Uh, very nice to
5: carve out some time for us today because uh, Max is. I know, like, you know, Mike Norvell or Lane Kiffin can claim to be the Portal King, but Max is the true portal King, because he has to monitor all of it for the athletic and it is portal season. I know this is probably at the point now we're three years into this thing or four years in, um, that nothing surprises you, but are there guys in the portal that did take you back a little bit?
13: Um, I, I think there are names that are going to enter the portal in the next few days that will surprise some people. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I think there's just a lot of, a lot of rumors right now. Um, especially this quarterback market. I think it's, it's, it's extremely, Active right now and uh, is about to get crazier. Um, not just with the underclassmen that'll enter on Monday, but uh, but over these next few days, the guys that are grad transfers. Um, surprises? No. I mean, I think we're still. You know, this this phase before December fourth is really primarily grad transfers because um, they can enter at any time, and then it's really guys leaving programs where they they just had a coaching change. So. Uh, in some ways, you're not surprised by some of the groups of players you're seeing. Some of these schools that are getting pretty hit, hit pretty hard, like a, you know, an Indiana or, or Middle Tennessee or UTEP, you know, that had coaching changes, kind of all their best players become available, which is kind of crazy to watch that um, play out. But um, I think we're we're still due uh, for for lots of big ones here on Monday. What a tease.
7: Lots of yeah. lots of big names. I mean, we were just talking about uh, Blake Shapin, Max, how he yeah. jumped in the portal a couple of days ago, and I don't think it was a total shock just because of everything going on here right now with, you know, a rand on the hot seat and just uh, the firing of Jeff Grimes, but he, he jumped in a couple of days ago. You know, maybe he's a top 10 transfer quarterback at that point, but... I mean, shoot, DJU jumps in, Dante Moore jumps in. I mean, he might be like top twenty now. He might be top thirty come Monday. I mean, it's it's kind of insane that quarterback market, and um, I guess no end in yeah. sight as you're referring to there.
13: Yeah, no, it's and it's funny. It's like um, I think you're probably right. That's probably the right way to sum it up. There's just been a lot of um, uh, of pretty proven guys that have that have hit the portal in the past, uh, you know, forty eight hours that would probably move shape and uh, down that list. Um, although I think in the right spot, uh, I think he can be pretty productive, but you know, it's funny guys, like, uh, Jake Spavadal gets, gets hired today. And probably the first question for him is, all right, who are we getting the quarterback? And it's like, <laughs> let me get in the building first and see what we've got. Right. I mean, it's just, but it's such a moving target, all of this stuff. I've talked to lots of coaches who are like, yeah, we're, we're, we're in the market for a quarterback. We're not sure who the OC is going to be next year. So we've got a lot to figure out here. So yeah, it's, um, I think for these players, especially like the Blake Shapins of the world, who have put some good stuff on tape, but are still kind of looking for, you know, you kind of hoping that some teams will take a chance on them. Like, you got to get in now and got to make a decision pretty quickly because uh, there are going to be uh, there's going to be even more uh, that, that enter the the market here um, on Monday and in the next few days. So um, you, you hope those guys can find a good fit, and they're not just looking at this in terms of. Um, trying to get a check they can find a place where uh, they can go be a starter and and, and, uh, put up stats
7: well you mentioned his name Jake Spavitol the news coming down today that he will be the man to uh, take over the Baylor offense post Jeff Grimes and and post Blake Shapin most likely as well Um, your thoughts on him Max Uh, has been around Texas quite a bit been at Cal most recently but what do you think about that choice by Dave Aranda and the change uh, in direction there
13: yeah, I'm a big fan of Jake Spavadol. I thought that, um, you know, got to know him a little bit when he was at West Virginia. And I thought, you know, certainly you saw it in their buildup in Dana's final years there with Will Greer, you know, when he's got a quarterback, um, you know, obviously he knows how to recruit some playmakers. But when he's got a quarterback and you really kind of see the full potential of his offense, I think he's one of the better guys out there. And so, you know, that was always kind of the challenge as the head coach at Texas State is he just in that, that tenure there. And they obviously had to lean on the portal a lot, but just never really totally got it right at quarterback and, and and never got to kind of see um, how good they could be, although they got better in his last year, uh, especially on defense. But, you know, I thought he had an interesting situation at Cal this year where they, you know, they had three quarterbacks um, ended up playing a freshman and stuff. So again, like not really seeing the full potential there, although they, um, you know, they did improve and and they did have, he inherited a good back there. So they, they ran the ball, but, um, I, you know, I think he's a really good pick, um, and I think that uh, – interested to see kind of how they fill out the offensive staff from here. But um, in terms of a guy that can can scheme up good stuff for what they've got, um, I, I think he's one of the better ones out there and, and really interested to see kind of what can they th- go pick up this offseason to, uh, to kind of fit what he wants to do.
5: Max, what do you it- – I'll just tell you, and I'm sure you you know this from from reading about it or, or seeing it, but, but retaining Dave Aranda was not a popular decision here uh, in yep. Waco.
7: What I didn't really spit up my diet coke when you said that, to <laughs> yeah. say the
5: least. It was, yeah. To say the least, it was not the popular decision with the fans. Um, what, from your perspective, from the outside looking in, what is that decision? What did you think it was a good one to bring him back? Do you think that, you know, what is he going to have to navigate here in this next year?
13: I think, um, I, I, think it's clear, um, and it has been clear all season that Mac Rhodes did not want to make a coaching change despite, despite all the, the, the really, um, bad results on the field. I, 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 think it's very clear Mac Rhodes fully believes that Dave Aranda is the right guy for this job, that he can get this thing fixed. I think, um, I, I can understand the frustration because I think if you're, if you're a fan and you, you went to these games this year, you're like, where's the momentum? Where's the thing I'm pointing to and feeling like, all right, we're going to be a lot better next year. I I understand like the the belief of like, oh man, there's there's good young players in this program and guys they had to roll out this year and play as freshmen and you hope that they're they're better a year or two now and you kind of just had to take your lumps this year. And look, that's also kind of where the Big 12s at, right? I mean, <laughs> there, there's just not easy games on the schedule anymore, and there's certainly it's not going to get easier next year, but. You know, I, I think it's a really critical off season um, for for a staff that's had a lot of turnover under Dave Aranda um, already, and, and and so I'm curious to see. You know, I think Spavital's a great pick. Um, I think they're going to have to you know be pretty aggressive here in terms of upgrading the roster to get it competitive uh, with with the rest of the Big Twelve and and be more aggressive in the portal. And that's probably going to be expensive, but that that's that's what you got to do. And uh, you know, I think I for what it's worth you go look at West Virginia this year, I mean, no, no that fan base did not want Neil Brown back either. Um, and, and in a lot of ways was rooting for him to fail at, at a bunch of points this season. And they went eight and four. They believed in uh, you know, that they were heading in the right direction, despite some of the players they've lost. And Neil Brown took over play calling on offense and, and was like, I'm going to go out my way if I'm going out and, uh, and things got better. Right. And the, and the schedule was a little bit easier for them this year, but, you know, things got better. So it's not impossible that this thing can get turned around. I don't think this is necessarily doomed. There's an example of it in the conference this year, but man, it's going to take a lot of hard work to catch up to the rest of the conference.
7: Max, you had a piece on uh, Oklahoma State and the run that they've been on and uh, obviously taking a focus in on their defensive coordinator. Texas, the big challenge on Saturday, the final send-off for the Longhorns. They want to go out obviously on top and with final bragging rights. But what do you make of this game? And, and obviously uh, the Oklahoma State side of things, just what it took to get here, even taking a couple of lumps throughout the season.
13: Yeah, it's funny. If, if you kind of just judge Oklahoma State by, oh, they lost to USF and they lost to South Alabama and those games weren't close and stuff, then I think you're kind of missing the story of this team this year. I mean, it's a really uh, tough, resilient team that, honestly, guys, when I talk to coaches in the offseason, uh, I think a lot of people within the league expected Oklahoma State to really take a step back and be like a 6-6 six and six kind of team this year, uh, just based on what they lost. But uh, it's a testament to Mike Gundy uh, making a lot of the right moves this off season. I thought, that I, like you said, I wrote about Brian Nardo, their DC, that they brought in from uh, Division II again, and look, their, their defense has not been lighting the world on fire this year, uh, but they have found a way to win some close games, including against Oklahoma and, and that last one against BYU, and um, you know, been impressed by the progress they've made over the course of the year. Alan Bowman was was not a very sexy take out of the portal, but certainly has been good enough for them this year, and. You know, when, when you find a real special player like Ollie Gordon, that obviously makes things a lot easier. So really been impressed by the run they had this year. Um, I think there's a lot of guys that, that, that could have deserved uh, Big 12 Coach of the year, but uh, I, I certainly understand the argument for, for Gundy. Uh, you know, for them to get this far um, this year, I, I think a lot of people did not expect it. And, uh, you know, they're a big dog this weekend, but it, it, very interested to see if they can uh, – uh, make texas sweat
5: max uh, i know you gotta go uh we'd, we'd love to talk to you for like 20 more minutes but thanks for having like it is portal season and like i said you're the portal you're the real portal king so uh, in, enjoy the weekend as much as you can i know you're going to be insanely busy but max thanks for uh for hopping on uh we'll talk to you again uh next week if you're not like just swamped in in <laughs> stories that you have to write
13: well that's, that's very kind of you guys there's lots of, lots of good experts out there on the portal and now I must uh, I must go return to the portal. Farewell. <laughs> all right. Best
7: of luck. <laughs> there you go, Max Olson. You have to put so, on like a scuba mask and jump right back into yeah. it and I, I don't know how it all works, but, but. yeah,
5: there's there is um yeah, he's just on it all, all the time and um I am very I cannot wait now till Monday. Oh yeah, to, I mean yeah, okay. that was a tease and yeah.
7: I am just thinking of the quarterbacks um that have already jumped in. I mean, Riley Leonard pretty much, uh, yeah. they're at the top of the list as far as the, the proven kind of guys. Uh, there's others too, obviously DJU, we just talked about him. Will Howard, Will Howard. Of, I mean, there's, there's numbers of guys, him. a number of young, you know, potential guys like Dante Moore, who we just talked about some guys kind of in the middle, um, where you wonder how much more you can get out of them, but they played a lot of like Blake Shapin. So yeah, I mean, that's already all underway, but you were right in that. It seems it's very quarterback heavy so mm-hmm. far. and, he just seemed to indicate there will be more quarterbacks jumping in. And look, uh, a lot of guys looking for opportunity. There's only one starting spot on every team. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for those teams that have three, four scholarship guys, I mean, something has to give eventually, you know. uh, uh, Malik Murphy, I mean, does he jump? There's there's rumors, but then again, you know, maybe not, but that's – that type of a situation that you look at and go, like, yeah, somebody's got to leave there, right? Like, somebody's got to eventually jump in if they want to play, especially if viewers is coming back. Yeah. But there's other situations like that across the country. And I'm like you, I'm, I'm just fascinated to see what comes Monday with uh, all these names and what other positions we start to see kind of get highlighted because uh, offensive linemen and defensive linemen are already going to be at a premium. But, like, what does that field even look like as far as guys that are available? And yeah, it's going to be complete madness uh, from the, the sounds of it yeah. come Monday.
5: Malik Murphy's one of the more unique ones in that let let's say you know Texas wins the game, but Quinn Ewers you know hurts his shoulder again, right, mm-hmm. and won't be necessarily available for the for the bowl game or the playoff game. Malik Murphy, I think, will probably he seems to me to be the kind of guy that would just wait until like you're not going to skip the playoff. And you're not going to skip that well, chance to start, but, you know, yeah. he's hurt uh, yeah. with
7: that, uh, the injury, the freak injury he suffered, um, I guess, uh, two games ago. Yeah. Uh, so there's, I don't know the situation, yeah. but you know, there's like plenty of, hmm, is he really hurt? You know, yeah. it's like that kind of a thing because it is portal season, but no, he's just a logical name to bring up. And, and there are others as well that that are in similar positions where maybe they're kind of bookmarked uh, or uh, book-ended, right, by by guys. And something, like we said a second ago, has to give. But, yeah, I mean, he's he was banged up, and that was why Arch came into the game, uh, making for that moment last week. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what would happen in that situation. I don't know if he's healthy enough, I guess, is my point, uh, and the extent of that injury. But if Quinn Ewers, for some reason, isn't taking snaps because they were either winning huge and he doesn't have to or... He gets banged up, or you know, throws seven picks, and they're like, "All right, then, whoever Texas turns to will be very telling," I would think. But you know, you do have that injury backdrop, so that's at least uh, taking some of the sizzle off what would be unmitigated rumor season with Malik Murphy if yeah. that injury wasn't in play.
5: You know, um, I- I've been trying to think of like places that would make sense for Blake Shapin that are not. Um that are not group of five schools like La
7: Tech you know? or you know somewhere yeah. like that yeah
5: so like Minnesota they don't have a quarterback to me that would that would make sense like especially in that offense where they're not gonna they've never really asked the quarterback to do a ton right you know and if you wanted to go up there and you know freeze your ass off like that would be a, that's a place to
9: go that's a place yeah. to go
5: like they're, they they Can't were down football. they were down a little bit this year on the offensive line and in the running game they had some injuries but you know, they're usually good at that. So, like, you're probably not going to get assaulted if you're the quarterback at Minnesota, like you did uh, this last year at Baylor. Um, and it, it wouldn't be a stretch for him to grab that. Like, you, maybe you want to play, you'd want to play in an offense like Jake Spavittal's, but again, this is just, I think it's working out well for both sides in that the last year, like his last year or maybe two of eligibility, like nobody's I, really sure. But I welcomed the decision yeah. on it. I did. Yeah. I
7: mean, I think that if you're Dave Aranda, you could ill afford to just run it back the way that it was. So you had to make some changes. You made that change with OC Jeff Grimes, and now it's going to be OC Jake Spavittal. And, you know, there's very mixed reaction. I don't know, honestly, what some Baylor people like, got their hopes up for. I don't know who you were expecting to walk through that door when you've got a lame duck head coach who's on the hottest seat in college football right now and and clearly entering a do-or-die type of a year. Um, So I don't know who you were attempting to, in your mind, lure away from somewhere that was going to be like, yeah, I'll go sign up for that. But for Shapin, too, I mean, another change at offensive coordinator. Now, he's going to have to have that regardless, but why not just go somewhere and start fresh as opposed to where you've been and just try something new, basically. And I can totally... Uh, relate to that and so I, I think that he made the best decision for him and that's what he needs to do at this point of his career because he only has one year left and if he can go play somewhere where they can protect him a little bit better uh, then he has a chance to be successful and if not well um, that'll be interesting to see who that team is that, that can't block any better than, than Baylor was able to because man he took some hits this year and uh, really just did not have a lot of help around him so he he deserves to have a little bit of a of a lift uh, around him, and and hopefully another team is able to provide that for him, so he can be sent off on a on as positive a note as possible. But from a Baylor standpoint, like okay, yeah, you're missing out on some experience. It it stinks that he's not going to close his career here, but that's nothing new. With the string of quarterbacks we mentioned the other day, Seth Russell's the last quarterback that started and finished his career here. Yeah. He left in twenty fifteen. Yeah, I mean we're in twenty. We're nearly in twenty twenty four now. So this isn't anything unique to Blake Shapin. This is just the way of college football these days with with the quarterbacks. And I think for Baylor to turn the page and you're just going to roll it all on this one year. Why not change it up at quarterback as well and just see if you can get something different out of it and, and somebody that's going to you know fit Jake Spavital's, uh philosophy and what he wants to do. So yeah, um, we'll we'll see, but. Looking forward to seeing who all jumps in on Monday, and then what the open available spots start to to look like in that that whole uh, game that will yeah. begin play. And
5: look, I don't know, like Sawyer Robertson is going to be back because he his coach didn't leave, right? Yeah. So he he's going to be back. He he can't transfer, so right now he's your starter. Actually, don't think that that's a terrible offense for him it's to fine, yeah. yeah, because because he was in the leech system
7: before. You need just another quarterback for some depth. Yeah, you only have though. two, yeah, right,
5: right, and you've got a freshman coming in, but you right. need you need they made it through with three this year, and that was that worked out for them, but they really, especially given the fact that they're going to be in, in a lot of flux, they need four bodies in that room, uh, especially two guys who can start for you
7: Yeah, well, I mean there's going to be guys available, so they, you know they can go yeah. get somebody through the transfer portal. I don't know you know they're not going to go grab. Um, you know, the top of the top, but they can certainly get in there and mix it up. And Jake Spavital's got a very good resume when it comes to quarterbacks that he's coached. You know, I, I know there's a lot of mixed reaction because people want to look at the the Texas State head coaching tenure. That's not him as the OC. Well, you look deeper into the numbers. Well, it was his offenses. They did blah, blah, blah. But you also, there's also a lot of things to like on there. And his... Uh, Development with quarterbacks is is pretty good. So that should bode well for Sawyer, and maybe that's attractive to somebody else out there that can come in and help. But, yeah, there's, that's just one small situation in an ocean of other situations that are already mm-hmm. uh, underway or are going to be developing over these next few days. And this is the, the time that a lot of people freaked out about, including ourselves at various times. we just trying to figure out what all this is going to look like. But now that we're, we're deep into it, I think we still feel like there should be some fixes here and there. But it is very exciting. It's a very exciting time uh, for the sport and to see all of the movement that's going to be going on. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it.
5: Well, look, I, I think I think college football was starred for some variety, right? And this is what's pro- provided it. Um, you know, if you talk to your average college football fan who's – who's not a Bama fan, the thing they got tired of was, was was Bama, right? They got tired of like, oh, yeah, Bama. Bama fatigue. And, yeah, it was Bama fatigue. Well, you know how you get rid of Bama fatigue and Georgia fatigue and Ohio State fatigue? Well, you open – you would create free agency and, you know, that – Here's
7: TCU. Yeah. Although they didn't yeah. benefit really from the portal as much. That was just like yeah. great recruiting by Patterson, but, yeah.
5: But, yeah, they, they're um, – but I do think that – Part of the reason you've seen Alabama look kind of sloppy this year is that when they've had injuries, they can't just plug in the next guy who's going to be a stud. It's the guy who is behind that guy. You know, and
7: because if he's not starting, he's going to go. There's not a second-year five-star who's, like, third on the depth chart at linebacker. Yeah, they just,
5: like, they have to do it, like, with a a guy who's, you know, was a high three-star and maybe a four, but he's the developmental dude, and they they like him, but he's not the guy who got hurt. You know, like, that's... They're almost like everybody else in college football, although they're the lower part of their roster is better than the lower part of everybody else's, but still that's going to be affected because especially now you throw money into this deal, then you don't know. Like people are not necessarily making sound decisions for their football career, but they are for their wallet, you know? So there's going to, yeah, there's going to be a lot of people who wind up at places and take some money. And then you're like, ah, well, he had 19 catches for 208 yards. That was, that wasn't money well spent, but he was the starter. Right. And, and, and those things happen, but you know that's but that's free agency in sports in general and in pro sports. How many times has your team signed somebody? You're know, like, oh, this is going to be the best thing that's ever happened to my team. I cannot wait. Um, I'll, I'll just use a Rangers example: Alex Rodriguez, King Caminiti, Andres Galarraga. Nobody thought that could fail, and Caminiti um, and Galarraga were done. They were cooked. Their careers were done. Like that was it for them. Uh, and so, not really. You know, and A Rod uh, took the money and was never really happy to play in Texas. He was kind of miserable the whole time. So, you know, uh, it it is what it is. So, yeah, there's 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 differences all over the place. When we come back, Taylor McCarg of ESPN and CBS. Then we'll have Craig's off the radar at four forty five, Cole Kubelik at five ten, and Mickey Spagnola at five thirty. This
10: is three sixty five Sports.
2: Brewing Company has 16 different beers on draft with a new beer every Friday. It also offers two air conditioned tap rooms, a large indoor beer hall, a second floor mezzanine offering a great overview of the Brewing Company and equipment and patio where you can relax under the shade. Plus you can now experience the new Three Nations Beer Garden Grill on our shaded patio. Grab a cold beer and enjoy a bite from our freshly prepared and delicious menu. Street tacos, quesadillas, freshly cooked burgers and dogs and veggie burgers too. Nachos and so much more all prepared and cooked on site. So come visit the award-winning Three Nations Brewing Company on East Vandergrift off I-35 in Carrollton. This is 365 Sports, Samantha Duvall, TexasBeefHouse.com. I'm David Smoke, and how about the success of your auction? So good, right, with all of your great product, your age, Wagyu, and more, that you're going to do something similar at the early part of December.
8: Yeah, so we had such a good auction that we feel like we found a different way to sell our beef. So on December 1st, we're going to do a silent auction, and it's going to be all online at cci.live and it's going to last from December December 1st to December 3rd, and we're calling it the Silent Night Auction with 12 different lots for the 12 days of Christmas. We'll have all of the information online at TexasBeefHouse.com.
2: TexasBeefHouse.com. Again, this is uh, aged Wagyu beef and, and so much more. And this, Samantha, is going to be for the steaks. Is that correct?
8: Yes. It will all be for different packages that are full of steaks, skirt steaks, flap steaks. It's going to be a variety that way. It's kind of like a Christmas package. All of our hamburger and sausage are still available online. Um, and you can use gift cards not only online, but you'll also be able to use them for the auction.
2: So once again, TexasBeefHouse.com, such an incredible auction that experienced. And now again, Samantha starts December 1st for three days. Is that
8: correct? That is correct. So we can't wait for y'all to see how this one's going to go.
2: I can't wait. The steaks are amazing. They are delicious. mouthwatering watering delicious. TexasBeefHouse.com, where's the best beef in Texas? Your house. When you order from Texas Beef House, unleash the flavor of Texas Wagyu from our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com.
3: This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Enjoying the show? Hit the like button and subscribe. Joined now by Taylor McArg, former Rice quarterback, college
5: football analyst, ESPN and CBS. And Taylor uh, Matt Rule said yesterday, you know, he, he. I mean, we all knew this, but he's kind of the first coach to say it in the way that he said it about a quarterback, you know, a good quarterback in the portal costing a million, million and a half, two million half, $2 million. When you hear that, do you think, man, did I ever play in the wrong era of college
0: football? <laughs> you know, I saw Aaron Murray, uh, former Georgia quarterback, tweet uh, exactly that, born in the wrong era. Um, I got to be honest, anybody <laughs> – I don't have any of your listeners uh, watch me play. I, I don't know that it would have mattered nearly for me that much, um, especially at you know a place like Rice. But I, I will say, uh, even all the way down to you know your group of five level and, and when I was playing, when we got pretty good there at the end, I think there's definitely money that would have been great to have on the table and you would have made a little bit of extra cash. Um, I put a tweet out a couple of days ago about – you know, how many guys end up in the portal and they don't find a home. And, and that is definitely – it's about a third of right now in the last year or so, last year's class that went into the portal that they, they didn't land anywhere. Um, but the top-level guys, and it's really quarterbacks and then especially your premier offensive and defensive linemen, um, they are getting really a staggering amount of cash. And what Matt Rule said is exactly right. It's, it's a lot of what we've heard. Um, there are a couple guys – Michael Pratt is one of them at Tulane. The the lean it sounds like is that he will go pro, but if he were to test the portal, he would get you know north of a million dollars uh, to go somewhere else. I think it's possible he would end up close to two million dollars. And it's uh, you're seeing a lot of quarterbacks. Last thing I'll say on it, you're seeing a lot of quarterbacks and players that when they get that mid to late round grade, if you're that caliber of, of college talent, it makes a lot of sense to go back get one more year, get paid, see if you can improve your draft stock, because if you don't, well, then, heck, you just made a ton of money, and you made more than you probably would have with your rookie signing
1: bonus.
7: Taylor, I'm just scratching the surface here, but Max Johnson, Blake Chapin, uh let's see, Will Rogers, Will Howard, uh, you've got Dante Moore now in the portal coming up. I mean, on and on and on. Uh, what's jumped out to you splash-wise from the quarterback perspective and, and those who are already putting their name in the portal?
0: Yeah, Riley Leonard is interesting, uh, and he had the the do not contact tag on his. So you wonder if that's if, he, if he's following Elko to A and M, or is he you know, the rumors that he's also very interested in Notre Dame. Uh, DJ Uyunglele goes in the portal today. I think that's a guy that, um, in a pro style system, I think he would make a lot of sense for Big Ten style teams, physical type teams, and then also Cam Ward to stay on the West Coast out of Washington State. has been rumored that there's. Uh, multiple more than five schools that are offered him more than a million dollars to come play for, for them. So uh, those are some of the names at the very top, but you know, it goes all the way down. Uh, Rice in the last couple of years has gone out and got guys in the portal. Uh, JT Daniels uh, had a pretty good season for them. He's moving on. They'll go to do that again. And you just see the trickle down from the, the, the top level quarterbacks at the top programs. It goes all the way down. There's been a handful of schools that you see every one of their quarterbacks at certain schools, enter the portal. I think Indiana had a few, uh, basically anytime your coach leaves by and large, you're seeing multiple quarterbacks and a lot of the skill players go in the portal as well. All
5: right, Taylor, that's championship week. Uh, we have potential chaos in the playoff, like maybe we've never had before. And this is the last year where it will be this chaotic because the 12 team playoff comes to, uh, release us from our strain next year. I'll start with this hypothetical. If Florida state wins, but wins ugly, does the committee have any justification of keeping them out?
0: The the justification in any normal season, I would have said no, Mm -hmm. but the justification, the key that we heard from, from the committee on Tuesday night show was that their responsibility is to put the four best teams in, not the four most deserving teams. And by that logic, You could see a scenario where if Texas goes and blows the doors off Oklahoma State, let's say they win by four touchdowns, and Louisville takes Florida State to overtime, it's an ugly game. There's some turnovers. The offense looks poor, similar to what we saw from Florida a week ago. In any normal scenario in all of the years prior to this season, you would say it doesn't matter. It's an undefeated Power 5 team. You put them in. But this season, based on that logic that the committee shared and that Texas has – it would be a one-loss our 5 champion with a win over Alabama on the road. There is a world and a scenario where you could see the committee shock the world and, and put Texas in. Now, do I think they're going to do that? No, I don't. I think if Florida State wins, I think they're in. But it leaves enough of a, a, a door cracked with how they phrased that that you could talk through a scenario like this and leave it. You know, There still is a little bit of drama regardless of if Florida State wins out. I agree.
7: Taylor, which of those matchups, uh, I guess, would it be Florida State that you're most on the lookout for as far as the Power Five championship games and, and upset? Well, you know, Oregon-Washington is, is going to be, I guess, a headliner of sort. Which one stands out to you as, as you're most looking forward to seeing?
0: Yeah, I think you know it's interesting that Oregon is almost a 10-point favorite over Washington. It leads me to believe I've heard a couple different people talk about this, and I think I agree that uh, is Michael Penix hurt? Is he banged up some that you that sort of under the surface that you just, they're not reporting or talking about? Um, I think very interested in seeing how Michigan looks against Iowa because Iowa tries to make it look ugly against everybody. And I know it's a 24 point spread, but still, if that game is, is close in the second half, don't be surprised. Cause it's still an elite defense. It would not shock me if that's still a one score game in the second half. And then, yeah, obviously the night game, Um, I guess you tie it to the big 12 championship. If you're a Texas fan, you're looking at two things. Number one, obviously you'd love to see Louisville go beat Florida state, but you're also wanting to see how that game looks to give yourself a glimmer of hope where even if Florida state wins, if it's ugly, if there's several turnovers, if it's a sloppy style game, certainly late, that's where if Texas wins big, you give yourself a glimmer of hope. Uh, But out of all of those, yes, the one that I have circled the most is the ACC championship because I think the one. I think that's the game that could introduce the most chaos. Uh, that and obviously, if Alabama goes and beats Georgia, now you've got a you open a ton of scenarios. On does the committee try and get two SEC teams in, regardless of how everything else plays out?
5: Although uh, you could make the argument, Taylor, if Alabama does beat Georgia, they could eliminate the SEC from the playoff.
0: I don't know. That, I think the SEC champion would get in. I think mm. Alabama, if they go beat Georgia, I think they're in. Uh, what I think it really does is if the SEC, you give them all of this credit for their, the strength of the conference, but Texas goes and beats your if, – if, again, if Alabama were to win, now you have to give Texas that credit as well. They, they went to Alabama, one on the road, and that's a scenario where it also helps Texas. Let's say you go through the exact same scenario we talked about with Texas. If they were to win big over Oklahoma State, Florida State wins ugly – and Bama beats Georgia, now Texas fans are saying, we've got a win over the SEC champion, and look how well we've played down the stretch when, when Quinn Ewers has been healthy. Again, if they be, win big over Oklahoma State, and they just blew the doors off of Texas Tech. So there's a lot of storylines going into this last weekend, and Paul, you let off with this at the beginning. This would have been an incredible 12-team playoff season. It would have been perfect, and anybody that tells you, that the 12-team playoff is going to uh, limit the importance of late games in in November, they're wrong. You're going to have more games that are important to more teams because it doesn't mean undefeated Ohio State and Michigan that that game is any less important. There's still going to be seen. There's still going to be first-round buys at stake. It's also going to impact common wins, common losses for other teams that are in the hunt. And most importantly, it keeps teams in the hunt for the 12-team playoff well after they've had one and two losses and that's what the sport has been missing you have a loss in the first part of the season and in a lot of cases it's over you're out of it especially once you get to that second loss you're out of the running I think it's going to keep teams relevant you'll have more relevant games down the stretch
7: you're a resident American Athletic Conference expert so a two-part question here for you Uh, first of all your thoughts on the championship game Tulane SMU, a bummer about Preston Stone and the injury there for the Mustangs. That really stinks, but uh, what, what your thoughts on that contest and also the fact that uh, there's a couple of big-time names, including Tulane's head coach there and Willie Fritz and UTSA's Jeff Trailer, that are rumored to be the hot candidates for that open Houston Cougars job now. So your thoughts on, on that scenario or that situation and, um, and obviously the, the championship game, as I mentioned as well.
0: Yeah, well, you nailed it with Preston Stone being out. I mean, that is, that is massive. SMU, Preston Stone was hurt for the second half against Rice in the middle of the season, and they struggled. Kevin Jennings, backup quarterback, they did not look – and you would expect that, right? They didn't look nearly as sharp on offense. And that Tulane defense, I think they've got by far the best front seven or certainly the front four, best front four at the group of five level. And there are a lot of power five schools that would like to have the defensive line that Tulane has. And you saw that show up against UTSA in the last week of the regular season. Forced five turnovers. And a lot of that, the issues that they caused for Frank Harris, they're going to try and do the exact same thing to Jennings for SMU. I think Tulane wins this game. If Preston Stone had been playing, honestly may have flipped it just based on that alone and and given SMU the nod because they've been so dominant on the offensive side. But having your backup quarterback in, having to go play on the road, I I do not think they've got enough firepower with him at quarterback to beat Tulane. I think Tulane wins. And then there's your group of five representative again in a new Year's six bowl. And then the other piece on the Houston head job, I don't, I don't think Houston could go wrong with either one of these choices. And, And the reason I say that these are two proven program builders and that's what Houston needs. They need somebody that can come in and run a full program. You can't U of H doesn't have the resources in the NIL game to go out and just buy and overhaul their roster. And both of these guys, especially Willie Fritz, you go back to his resume, he's been a head coach for a long time. Going back all the way to when he was in his JUCO days, every stop that he's been at, he wins. And I think he would have the patience at a place like Houston, do it the right way, build up culture. Jeff Trailer would be the exact same thing. I think he's a master motivator. Both of those guys, either one of them, I think would be a home run hire for Houston and major ties to the Texas high school coaches association, which uh, I think that's also an area that they could have been better at.
5: Do most rice fans when asked about a Houston coach say, I don't care who it
0: is as long as he sucks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's this day and age uh, not being in the same conference. I think uh, I'm glad that they're still playing that game. I'm, I'm honestly not sure how much thought either one of those teams give to one another. Um, I think, It would be great. I would pull for either one of those teams, and I love Dana as well, but I would pull for either one of those guys in Willie Fritz or Jeff Traylor. We've had both of them this season. They're really uh, a joy to talk to, and you can tell their kids love them. And for Houston, again, I'll I'll say it again, I don't think Houston could go wrong if they took either one of those guys.
7: Any thoughts on Jake Spavitol, uh, pegged as the OC hire for Dave Aranda and Baylor? Aranda's clearly going into a, a hottest as, as hot can get seat type of a year. I mean, it's, it's do or die time. Uh, but he turned into Spavital, who's very familiar with the state, as you know. But your thoughts on, on that pivot
0: there? Yeah, I, to be honest, I'm surprised with some of the names that were available out there this year and what looks like is available, in, uh, specifically the last two we talked about with Thrift and Trailer i got to be honest, I'm surprised that Baylor held on to Aranda for one more season. But the way that they look this year, the way the recruiting looks coming in behind him, uh, the portal support in Waco right now, man, I thought that they would move on. And how much does Spav really make a difference? Obviously, a good offensive mind. I think some of the issues that they had when he was at Texas State really more had to do with his belief in not recruiting at the high school level uh, under Aranda, he's not running the show in that regard. Um, but I, I do know this, Baylor fans have about had it. I think there's there's zero patience left. And if they start out poor, don't be surprised next season if Coach Aranda doesn't make it to the midway mark. Because, again, I, from what I understood from that situation, I was surprised to see him come back this season. We, You know, we were
5: a little bit, until the last two weeks, it just felt like, they weren't going to make You could, it just wasn't, nothing was going on that would indicate they were making a change. In which, which was, and again, yeah, which was strange. Yeah.
0: And, and again, I, anytime a, a staff or university, excuse me, doesn't move on from the staff, I always wonder about what other initiatives does the university have that they're, you've only got so much capital and cash that you can allocate. I'm not sure what Coach Aranda's buyout is did it make sense right now to go spend that money? And were there other things that they needed to spend that money on? And I'm not, you guys would know that better than I would, but the way that it looked in October and the way that the mood around that building felt, I thought they were going to move on from him. Um, But they obviously didn't. And I love Coach Aranda would love to see him get it turned around, but similar to how it honestly felt very similar to how U of H fans were talking about Dana. You just didn't see any support or hear of any support from the people that mattered, and then also from fans around the program, and so that's why again I, I was surprised to see him be retained. Taylor, what
5: are you doing a game this week, or you get to sit back and enjoy?
0: Oh yeah, I am. Uh, we're doing the FCS playoffs. I've got the number one seed, South Dakota State Jackrabbits. So, oh, uh, if you or any of your listeners have dinner recommendations in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Send them my way. <laughs> I have never been there, so neither have I. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> so. hey, cool,
7: unique trip. and That's <laughs> yeah. some good football too. I'm fired up. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: I'm fired up. It's been a long time since they lost. Uh, they the season opener of 2022 against Iowa and a seven to three loss was their last uh, last game that they dropped. But it's a good football team. They're playing Mercer and look, these FCS anybody that follows the FCS, the playoffs are so fun. There's so much emotion and energy at these games. And uh, I've got this one and then one more, and then that'll be it for me. But I'm fired up to get up there. Taylor McCarg, enjoy Sioux Falls, dress warm. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys.
5: Taylor McCarg with us. He's got the FCS playoffs, uh, ESPN and CBS College Football Analyst. Next up, Craig Smokes off the radar. Then Cole Kubelik of SEC Network this It's 365
2: Sports. From the first workout to the last practice, sports is an incredible and rewarding challenge. Hi, this is Dan Ingham with the First National Bank of Central Texas, and we're proud
6: to support each athlete, every parent, and our educators. From families, small businesses, to the biggest industry, we're here to help. With remarkable products like our free first mobile app, we've got banking ideas that fuel big dreams. That's the First National Bank of Central Texas.
2: Familiar faces making local decisions. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Petty Clinic Men's Healthcare in Woodway is now proud to offer you men an exceptional weight management body sculpting product called semaglutide, also known as Ozempic or Wegovi semaglutide is an FDA-approved weight management medication. Once-a-week injections of this powerful medication offers an average body fat weight loss of 20% within the first year of treatment. In addition to body sculpting, semaglutide also normalizes blood sugars and has the clinical research proof of reducing blood pressure, cholesterol, stroke, and heart attack risk. If you're like most men and you have stubborn fat that will just not respond to typical diets and exercise, then help us finally here. Semaglutide, affordable, highly effective. Google search Petty Clinic Waco and reach out to the Petty Clinic team today for a free consultation with Dr. Petty to see if semaglutide is right for you. Go to PettyClinicLowT.com. Shorty's Pizza Shack at
5: 12th and Bagby is a homegrown, locally owned pizza place that's out of this world. Everything from the dough, the sauce, the sausage topping is made fresh in-house. Not to mention the amazing pizza pillows, the chicken wings are to die for. Try the Sikkim sauce, chili cheese fries or tots, plus great specials on food and drink every single day. Shorty's is also the perfect spot
3: to watch the game with your friends. Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagby. Tell them Paul sent you
2: At Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be a part of the Waco community. We're a small family business right here in Central Texas, and our goal is to bring down the cost of health care while maintaining high quality. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important, and unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. That's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through the difficult time. We offer premium MRIs just like a hospital with state-of-the-art technology and specialists, but you'll pay less i you. Sometimes thousands of dollars less, whether you're using insurance or not. At Ideal MRI, we accept most insurance and there are no hidden costs. Even offering financing if that's needed, everything included in the price, and you'll not get something as a surprise in the mail later on. If you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. They'll know. You can schedule an appointment safely from home online in minutes at idealmri.com or give us a call 833 Ideal MRI. Ideal MRI.
3: This is Craig Smokes Off the Radar, presented by Alliance Bank. They take pride in making banking easy, AllianceBankTexas.com.
7: All right, welcome into 365 Sports, or welcome back. Time for a little Off the Radar, which is a segment on Tuesdays and Thursdays at around 445 where we take a look at just some grab bag of stories, whether it's a college football related or try to get out of that uh, a little bit, depending on what kind of stories are out there. And we've got a little bit of a, a mixed bag, got some ratings to talk about when it comes to the college game. And we'll save like the main show for obviously more of the portal reports and the coaching changes that are going on and all those different types of things. But we did make mention earlier that Baylor has hired uh, Jake Spavital as their new offensive coordinator. It appears Kansas's offensive coordinator Andy Coddle is headed to Penn State. Um, but also one other uh, coaching note that I don't think that we touched on, and this one was pretty big because this was a team that was very much front and center as one of the big stories this season, and especially here lately with talk about their bowl eligibility. James Madison uh, was, you know, a great story, undefeated had the whole you know situation with whether or not they were going to be allowed to play into a bowl game and it was kind of a big deal for like a couple of weeks or so and then they lost a game uh, right in the midst of that and uh, then they ended up you know seeing it work out to where they still you know were able to get into a bowl game despite all of the worries about you know that not working out because of the uh, you know the transition period that they were facing but the dukes got to go bowling but now, Paul, they are going to be without their head coach Yep, uh, as Kurt Signetti is headed to be the new head coach with the Indiana Hoosiers there in the Big Ten. The Big Ten, you really, like, maybe it's like this every year, but now I definitely notice it more with the big money TV contracts and just the way things are sort of shaping up, you know, whether it's Luke Fickle jumping to Wisconsin or Kurt Signetti's jumping to, uh, to Indiana and... um you know, now you're going to get uh, USC and UCLA and Oregon and Washington rolling in there. It's just very interesting times for sure. But Indiana, uh, heck of a hire uh, based yeah. on everything that I can, you know, analyze and everything that, that I have read. Did a tremendous job with James uh, Madison, but uh, they got rid of Tom Allen this past weekend. They were 3-9. and nine. Got beat by Purdue in the finale, and it just wasn't a, a very good run there for the Hoosiers. So they're paying the big fat buyout of I think twenty plus million dollars, um, although they're working on a financial settlement there. And it will be Kurt Signetti uh, from here on out, who had been at James Madison since two thousand eighteen, gone nineteen and four over the past couple years, including thirteen and three in conference play, fifty two and nine overall uh, in his time with the Dukes. And so we'll see what he can do in this new look Big Ten.
5: Yeah, um I think for Indiana also it's a good hire. You know, Kurt Signetti the only knock on him is he's sixty two years old, right? Yeah. So you don't know how long he's gonna be there, but you do have a guy that you had to really bowl over to get out of James Madison because he didn't I don't think he wanted to leave there. He said in a statement he didn't want to leave, but you know, it's just the you know, point where you couldn't say no. You know, and it's a huge opportunity to coach in the Big Ten. So Curt Signetti's not going to use Indiana to get the the Michigan job when that's open. Curt mm-hmm. Signetti's probably going to retire at Indiana. You know, and so that's good. They kind of need that. Like that would be that would be to me a benefit of Houston hiring Willie Fritz. I think if Houston hires Willie Fritz, he's not thinking about like, oh man, can I get a and M if if Elko doesn't work out or like where could I wind up? He's going to be uh, at, at Houston. So if he's, if he's in fact the guy. So yeah, I think that's a really good hire for Indiana. Clearly the Dukes have done really, really well, uh, in James Madison, uh, especially doing what they were doing, you know, transitioning up a level for him to win like he did and leave no doubt. Like it wasn't like one of those things where they had a chump schedule this year and, and ran through it. They played the, the regular Sunbelt schedule and, and all of that. So, um, yeah, they're They're very well-deserving, and he's got a tough job ahead of him. The Big Ten is 18 teams uh, now, uh, and he's got 17 of those teams that are, you know, I would say of the 17 (laughs) other that are better than Indiana's been classically. So – you know, it's going to be tough. I don't know. I mean, like, you know, you could make the argument like Rutgers or, or someone like yeah, that yeah, is yeah. behind Indiana, but, you know, they're not in the top tier of that.
9: We're not
7: Indiana haters, but, I mean, let's be realistic about it. Yeah. You know, like, they're, they're also, yeah, they're down at the bottom tier right now in the Big Ten. Uh, where exactly in the bottom does it really matter? They're they're in the bottom uh, rung, and, and they need to, you know, improve upon that. So that's what they'll look to do with Kurt Signetti. Uh, you know, it wasn't like uh, – I should say, James Madison is a program with a lot of longevity. I mean, he came in and did a great job following the tremendous job that Mike Houston did. Uh So they have uh, been at it, Everett Withers, prior to that getting them in the playoffs, and so they've been on a good run, and I'd say that because uh, they will now turn and find, I'm sure, a great head coach. I saw some of the talk earlier. You mentioned Alex Atkins on a couple of your lists, but, like, mm-hmm. there, there's a name there, and there was a bunch of other names that have been attached to it. Uh, don't know where they exactly turned the Dukes, but yeah. they've got a very solid foundation Spanning multiple head coaches now over the last uh, you know decade plus, so uh, they will be fine, I'm sure, but that is now going to be something to monitor, especially with the level they're at now. And with Indiana, uh, what can Kurt Cignetti go in there and do, and uh, what is considered success? Uh, better than what you're doing here, obviously, of late. Being competitive would, would be a good start, but yeah, an 18-team conference, that's still just kind of hard to wrap up. Uh, your head around a little bit but there you go kurt signetti leaving james madison to become the head coach at indiana and what jobs are even open at this point i mean the carousel not not on fire like it was the past couple of seasons. duke is open yeah right um houston is still open houston i would think too with the american championship game coming up on saturday that feels like a once that ends we'll probably hear something i would imagine
5: yeah so houston and duke are open uh, Michigan State's closed, AM's closed, Indiana's closed. Yep. Uh,
7: I think that's pretty much it, right? Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. There wasn't a, a boatload of jobs they got opened up because
5: like, uh, San Diego State. Um, uh, not, I don't know if Sean Lewis is official yet, but official, official, that's official, that's official. But yeah, so San Diego State's not open. Um, I'm pretty you know. sure that's yeah. There's only yeah, so, a couple left. Yeah, so you've got James Madison, Duke, and and in uh, Houston. Right yeah. now. So this wasn't a, you know, massive hiring and firing year. Although how could it be given everything we've we've seen? Right. Now, I think the only one that could like there's potential that some jobs could open up with guys go to the NFL. You know, yes. but
7: that's still possible. Like
5: yeah. Michigan will, will be open for seven seconds because Jim Harbaugh will leave and they'll just give the job to Sharon Moore. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't think they're going to do this whole nationwide and even
7: if they search. In it, would still have a line of candidates wrapping yeah. around the corner there. So, yeah, I mean, I should have looked into that, but off the top of my head, I was wondering, like, dang, I don't think there's many open jobs even left at this point. That kind of moved on quickly, but yeah, there will certainly be some uh, some more attrition somewhere or other. But Indiana now officially filled. All right, elsewhere uh, from this past weekend, uh, you had a bunch of great. Uh, college football action that we've been talking about now for the last couple of days finally got the uh, ratings that rolled on in and just a massive number for Ohio State and Michigan Mm -hmm. a massive number for Buckeyes and Wolverines the noon kickoff last Saturday on Fox big noon kickoff 19 plus million viewers for Buckeyes and Wolverines 19 19.07 19.07, largest audience uh, since 2006, second largest on record there for Fox um was far and away the most watched game by nearly ten million viewers uh, to show you the power of the game, but nearly twenty million people for that one you had playoff stakes, you had the hardball you know situation, probably providing some intrigue for others as well, uh, but my goodness gracious, that is an absolutely monstrous number, and uh, very cool to see um, that kind of a, of a show in there for a, a game of that nature just a huge huge number for for those two teams
5: yeah i um... I was one of those 20 million. You were like everybody yep. in this room was. Everybody watched it. Um, it did like, you know, it was a good game. You know, it had sparks. The first part of the game, though, I thought was really boring. Um, and that's kind of Big Ten football. Big Ten football. <laughs> that's that's like like Big, Big Ten, Ten football. football. Yeah. It's just, uh, I don't know. We. And I try not to judge. And will like, that fl- change
7: with the new schools? I mean, I, it has to with their styles I, somewhat. I, I right? think
5: you, I think you have to. Like, the other schools are going to, like, you heard Angelique Chingelis earlier say, yeah, these schools like Iowa are going to have to adapt because you can't just bet on the fact they're going to wind up in the championship game as long as you beat Minnesota and Rutgers, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah, you can beat them by scoring 16 points, but you can't. You're not going to beat Oregon scoring 16. You're not going to beat Washington scoring 16. Like, even on a horrible day, you're not going to beat USC scoring 16, you know? Right. So, um, yeah, I, I yeah, they're going to have to change. So it, it, it they're going to have to adapt. The problem is, is, like, how much can you adapt? Matt Rule said it on our show very well. Like, yeah, we have to adapt, but we also have to play an offense that's going to work in Lincoln, Nebraska in late October and November yeah. where the weather is not um, agreeable to a lot of that. And we saw, like – that's why, you know, I don't think you've seen a lot of teams in the Big Ten like, well, you know, Purdue's gone full spread and and Wisconsin's going spread and all that. If you watch how they play call though, it's a little bit different than spread south of the Mason Dixon line because and we saw it here. Anytime that the weather was not perfect, you know, you ask Art Bryles about it and he'd be like, Yeah, hey, we don't like that. Right. You know, like they it doesn't doesn't translate. So you gotta they're gonna be these hybrid kind of offenses, the the you know, the winter spread, so to speak.
7: Yeah, we'll we'll see a shakeup, though, I think, uh, with some of those new teams coming in. So, uh, 10 most watched games uh, this season. Ohio State and Michigan now very clearly the number one at 19.07. The next closest was Colorado and Oregon. That pulled in a little over 10 million, so you nearly had double the next closest game there for Ohio State-Michigan. That's how massive that number was. Ohio State, and those were the only two over uh, 10 million so far as far as uh, the 2023 regular season, Ohio State, Notre Dame had close to 10 million. Ohio State, Penn State had close to 10 million. See a see a trend here with a certain yeah. team. Uh, Colorado State, Colorado had 9.3. Those are your top five right there. So Ohio State and Colorado comprising the entire top five there uh, with their various matchups. FSU, LSU had a little over nine. Michigan, Penn State, Bama, Auburn also had over nine. Then LSU, Bama, and Texas Bama. Had in the eight seven five eight eight range as well, so those were your your top ten games, but Ohio State with three of the uh, top four spots, including far and away, the biggest audience of the year with nineteen plus million for that game last week. Alabama Auburn, for what it's worth as far as just uh, week thirteen goes uh, that was the next closest also uh, or had nine point zero nine Washington state, Washington pulled in nearly six million viewers. Georgia Georgia Tech had 5.3 million, and then FSU Florida rounded it out with 5-plus million viewers for that one. So, yeah, that was your top five. uh, But uh, five games over 5 million, two over nine, and one over 19 with uh, the one that I mentioned there. Jeez,
5: Florida, come on, get better. Oh,
7: like, uh, they you know, were right there. Gonna, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess that'll bump that number up. You can at least pass Georgia, Georgia tech that there are a few hundred thousand away yeah. there.
5: I wonder, you know, and it was never 19 million, even in the height of both those programs in the nineties. No, absolutely <laughs> not.
7: No, that's, that's unique to only a, a certain few programs for sure, but a very, yeah. very healthy weekend, uh, for college football. I think you had when all was said and done probably 15 to 20 games, that ended with a million or more viewers, yeah. which is very, very healthy. And that's, that's one of the better weekends you'll see, which makes sense with all the stuff that's at stake. But, um, yeah, there you go with that. A couple of other notes here. I so, know we got some guests to get to. Um, but NCAA video game. There's an update on that. Uh, as the game is still scheduled to come out this summer. Especially now that there is a, a little thing taken care of. In terms of the Brander Group and one team partners. Coming to a settlement uh, with EA Sports. In regards to their lawsuit. Um, that had you know uh, claimed torturous interference. Uh, there in the uh, Northern District of California. Uh, so... Um, There is now a pathway cleared basically is what I'm getting at because of the settlement for the video game to progress and that is still expected now to come out in the summer of 2024 EA announcing they were pleased that Brander had decided to withdraw their claims and that EA did not have to pay them money Um, they said the suit had no merit and now they're continuing to focus on the upcoming game so very much looking forward to that and then close it out uh, with this. Um, a couple of NFL news and notes for one later on tonight. Seahawks and Cowboys coming up on the Amazon broadcast. Uh, your usual Thursday night action's not been that sexy, quite frankly, but hopefully this is an entertaining game. I know you're probably not rooting for an entertaining game as much as just like win <laughs> and blow them out and, and get it over uh, with, but Seahawks, Cowboys, your thoughts on that?
5: I'm curious to see the, um, the Cowboys have beaten every bad team they've played this year very badly. Like, yeah, the Chargers was a close game, but that was before, like, the wheels kind of fell off for the Chargers. Um, and, but they've, they, and they, they played close to the Eagles. They got blown out by, by the 49ers. They had their weird one against the Cardinals, which everybody hit, like, every, every, even good teams have weird ones. You know, look, look throughout any Super Bowl season, you'll be like, they lost to who? <laughs> yeah. How'd that happen? You know, and so they have that. The Seahawks are the uh, the the like one of the only good teams they played. Now this starts a stretch for them where they've got Seattle, they've got Miami, they got Buffalo, they got Detroit uh, and Philly uh, all left on the schedule, and I think they end the season again with Washington. But uh, they this starts a, a really tough stretch for the Cowboys and the Seahawks are good. I don't think they're Cowboys good, and the Cowboys um, for a long time AT and T Stadium was not a home field advantage at all. Like it was. You know, I, I I I've covered many games there. As you guys have heard me talk about at length uh, here on the show, and it was, um, especially when it was new, because it was there was the novelty of it. Certain fan bases would come in, like the Packers would just roll in there, and the Steelers would roll in there. Uh, they lost to the Bears uh, one night, um, and and uh, golly, who was that defensive back? It was such a horrible game. Uh, Brandon Marshall just ate his lunch, but. um but I was driving into the parking lot and, you know, you you pull in from I-30 and then you, like, drive down this, this like, road, like, kind of around the back of the stadium and then in uh, to the front of it to get to the, the media parking lot. And it was one-to-one Brian Erlacher jerseys to Tony Romo jerseys. Mm. It was really wild. It was just, like. What am I seeing here? But now it's not. So I think the Cowboys win tonight. I think they'll have their their work cut out for them with Seattle, who's who's good. I mean, Seattle's a good team. I don't think that they're, you know, I don't think that they're a threat to win the NFC. I think they're going to be a playoff team. But um, but yeah, this will be an interesting one for the Cowboys.
7: Yeah, it uh, definitely will be. So you got that coming up uh, later on tonight, seven fifteen Central Time on Prime Video, Cowboys and Seahawks and the NFL also announcing their first ever flexing of a Monday night football game. Uh, That's always been in their pocket. They just haven't ever used it before, but they have as of today as the league announced that they will flex the Philly and speaking of the Seahawks Seattle game in week 15 to Monday night, uh, replacing the previous scheduled Kansas City Chiefs and New England Patriots game. So don't know if you've Ever realize that that's uh, ever happened before, but they have flexed Eagles uh, and uh, Seahawks into Week 15, into that Monday Night Football spot, bumping the Chiefs and the Patriots. So uh, a little bit of unique uh, TV, I guess, broadcasting uh, history there when it comes to the National Football League. Uh, they also announced the three Saturday games. you got Vikings, Bengals, Steelers, Colts, and Broncos, Lions, uh, which will be the nightcap there. All of those will be on NFL network and and we'll have some playoff implications attached to it as well so um, they don't typically do that they haven't done it but uh, now they are flexing uh, Monday night and you'll see Eagles Seahawks in week 15 and so there are a few things that are off the radar the
5: players are going to hate that but good for Joe and Troy to actually get to see one that matters yeah when we come back Cole Kubelik SEC network he'll join us and talk about the SEC title game and much more this is 365 Sports
2: time to reach goals. It's a truth that applies to more than sports. It goes for your financial goals as well. You work hard for your money and you deserve an investment strategy that lines up with your game plan. And Chuck Verno, your Edward Jones financial advisor can help. If financial investments aren't putting forth the effort you desire, stop by today for a financial review. Chuck Verno, 720 North 64th Street in Waco, 254-732-1161. Edward Jones, member SIPC.
10: Baylor alumni are more than 160,000 strong. When we all join hands to support our university, we don't just move the needle, we move mountains. Working together, we create life-changing opportunities for students on the field, in the classroom, in the laboratory, and in life for generations to come. So get connected. Get involved. Learn how at baylor.edu slash alumni. You don't want to miss our best price deals during the Black Friday sales event at Allen Samuels. This month, you can say big on the truck you've been looking for, like the new 2023 Rams. Designed to be durable, functional, and stylish, Ram trucks give you that first-class feel. With premium options like luxurious leather trim seating, surround-view cameras, plus exceptional legroom and storage, hurry in and shop our great selection in-store or online today. Shop an award-winning dealership with award-winning products, Allen Samuels in Waco.
2: 365 Sports, Samantha Duvall, TexasBeefHouse.com. I'm David Smoke, and how about the success of your auction? So good, right, with all of your great product, your age, Wagyu, and more, that you're going to do something similar at the early part of December.
8: Yeah, so we had such a good auction that we feel like we found a different way to sell our beef. So on December 1st, we're going to do a silent auction, and it's going to be all online at cci.live and it's going to last from December December 1st to December 3rd, and we're calling it the Silent Night Auction with 12 different lots for the 12 days of Christmas. We'll have all of the information online at TexasBeefHouse.com.
2: TexasBeefHouse.com. Again, this is uh, aged Wagyu beef and, and so much more. And this, Samantha, is going to be for the steaks. Is that correct?
8: Yes. It will all be for different packages that are full of steaks, skirt steaks, flap steaks flat iron. It's going to be a variety. That way it's kind of like a Christmas package. All of our hamburger and sausage are still available online. Um, And you can use gift cards not only online, but you'll also be able to use them for the auction. So
2: once again, TexasBeefHouse.com, such an incredible auction that they experienced. And now again, Samantha starts December 1st for three days. Is that correct?
8: That is correct. So we can't wait for y'all to see how this one's going to go.
2: I can't wait. The steaks are amazing. They are delicious. Mouth-watering delicious. TexasBeefHouse.com, where's the best beef in Texas? Your house, When you order from Texas Beef House, unleash the flavor of Texas-raised Wagyu from our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com.
10: Don't miss out on the biggest deals of the year during the Black Friday sales event at Allen Samuels in Waco. Experience the adventure style and comfort of the new 2023 Jeep lineup. Shop our great selections in-store or online today and start your Jeep
3: adventure. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com.
4: The 5 o'clock hour is brought to you by Edward Jones Investments and financial advisor Chuck Verno, who'll navigate you through today's financial climate. Edward Jones, making sense of investing.
3: Now, here's Paul Catalina and Craig Smoke. Joined now by Cole Kublik
5: of SEC Network, ESPN. Cole, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this has been off the field, about to be on the field. One of the maybe more intriguing weeks in the SEC with. Mike Elko getting hired at A&M, Bobby Petrino going back to Arkansas as their offensive coordinator, and oh, by the way, uh, there is Alabama and Georgia on Saturday afternoon in a game that will shape the entire college football playoffs. So never a dull moment in the SEC.
6: Yeah, not much going on. Uh, <laughs> add to that, uh, I think some of the player movements, Spencer Rattler is going to go to the NFL, KJ Jefferson's in the portal, uh cam jackson graham Mertz, going to come back to florida and play another year so uh, that's just another piece of it and that's just the 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 tip of the iceberg of guys in the sec that are going to move on play somewhere else will rogers who has multiple sec passing records not going to play at mississippi state again don't know where he's going to end up so it's it's been a very busy week and as you guys know that's one of the cool things about college football now it's it's pretty much a year-round sport when you add the portal to recruiting and early signing period, and then coaching moves. It's a uh, it's a 365 day a year sport that we get to cover.
7: Yes, yeah, absolutely, Cole. It's a very interesting times, and for all the complaints about the portal and all of that, man, it sure does make it a lot more fun when otherwise it would be dead. To your to your point there, but um, a couple of coaching changes that we have seen: Texas A and M going to Mike Elko, Mississippi State to Jeff Lebby. Just curious, your thoughts on? Both of those moves. How you think those guys settle in
6: moving forward? Well, I'm a big fan of both guys. Uh, I've had a chance to work with both, work with both, cover both, and I think both have a chance to have a lot of success. Uh, Jeff Levy is in a little bit more of a difficult situation. He doesn't have the NIL funds to be able to lean on. It's so one of the reasons that I didn't think Texas A&M really had to go with the big names, so to speak. I didn't think they had to have the splash hire like a lot of folks were either wanting them to or thought they needed to or were looking for them to. Uh, I'll start with Levy. Uh, He has a brilliant offensive mind. Uh, I think he's a guy that has recruited in the state of Mississippi, obviously working at Ole Miss. He knows the landscapes. He's got some relationships with those high school coaches. He's been at big-time programs. So, yes, he's a first-time head coach, but this was going to happen. Someone was going to give him this opportunity Why not go ahead and get out in front of it if you're Mississippi State and get somebody in there that maybe understands the landscape a little bit more than somebody else would have. Uh, He'll be able to attract quarterbacks and receivers. So I'm interested to see where he goes with his defensive staff and what he wants to run defensively. But I think it's a really good hire for Mississippi State. You get a young coach that's energetic, that's going to probably have to do some things in a different way, but that's okay because you're still Mississippi State. And I do think there's a little bit of old-school toughness still to Jeff Levy, even though he runs that wide-open offense that is high-octane. And that's and not necessarily indicative of his entire personality. As far as A&M is concerned, I'm a big Elko fan. Uh, the guy is relatable. He, he obviously is a, is a brilliant defensive mind. But I think kids love playing for him. I think coaches love being around him. And my understanding is the last time he was at A&M, he was really the guy behind the scenes that was kind of massaging those relationships, having the conversations with the right people that he needed to have, you know, trying to put, you know, letting people feel good about things that were happening around the program for the right reasons. He already understood that those things needed to be happening and he wasn't really the guy in charge. So I think from that perspective, you, you look at him. He probably has a pretty good feel on what it takes to be a head coach at Texas A&M. Now he's been a head coach at Duke, so he's got some experience. But I mean, you add Duke to A&M to Notre Dame, like, he understands how big time college football works, and I think he has a pretty good idea of what's going to be required of him. And he'll put a good stack together just because of the guys that he's been around. And I think he'll have a, a, an NIL war chest that's able to attract high profile talent. And I just don't think A&M needs a guy to come in that makes a bunch of noise. They need an organizer, a motivator, and someone who can come in and manage all of it. Because that's the biggest term right now for me in college coaching is management. And that's not just your, your own roster because of what the portal is. you got to manage your coaching staff. You have to manage the portal. You have to manage traditional recruiting. You have to manage your guys that are already there maybe not wanting to go leave and go somewhere else. And then obviously you have to manage your preparation for games, your off season programs. It's just, it's a lot right now with what goes on in a college football program. And I think Elko's up to that challenge.
5: Yeah. And call it a and, and M, you know, you're, you're because of that NIL war test. You mentioned, they're not going to lose guys that are on the roster because of money. Like that, that's not going to be the reason they would lose guys because they'll, they'll be able to, to match the offer and keep the guys they want to keep. If it came down to money. So with Jimbo Fisher, it kind of just came down to making sure these guys are getting the, you know, preparation for the NFL and are happy where they are in college station, as opposed to, you know, this is, well, we lost this guy cause we can't afford him.
6: I think you're exactly right. And it's one of the reasons that I think when you think about somebody who can manage it and doesn't necessarily have to come in and, run a high profile offense or, or have a guy that has won national championships, just have the understanding of how to build a program and, and put together a game plan to win games. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of coaches in college football that have gotten away from that. You know, a lot of it is, this is my system on defense, or this is my offense that we run. And we're going to score this many points instead of, you know, like we had John Summerall on our show and, and with McElroy a, a couple weeks ago and, we kind of asked him about his blueprint, his style, and he's like, listen, man, it changes every week. He's like, if we have to throw the ball 40 times, then we'll throw it. If we have to run it 50 times, then we'll run it. If our defense has got to win a game, then we're going to lean on our defense or special teams. Just I, I think we've gotten a little bit away from and, and listen, I think us in the media and specifically the fans are highly to blame for that. Uh, I think there's a reason that there is this fascination with Oregon right now, and, and it's what they do offensively. Uh, There's a reason that probably a lot of the conversation on the field doesn't circulate as much with Michigan uh, as it does with them. Or maybe even Ohio State this year because they have a high-profile receiver, but they're not the same offense that they have been. So I, I don't really think that a lot of people look at where college football is and are satisfied with just winning games. That's pathetic to say. I get it. I understand it. And it frustrates the hell out of me. But I think there's a lot of folks that are around college football either fans of it or that cover it, and unless you score 45 points a game and you got a quarterback putting up big numbers, you're not considered to be as good or as fun to watch or have the feeling that a lot of other teams that have that actually do.
7: Isn't that crazy? Because it was just a few years ago that the Big 12 was the goofy, they score 60 points a game, and they play no defense, and now you see those offenses all over the SEC because a lot of those guys have moved over there. But, yeah, I mean, if you're not scoring, suddenly you're – you're, you're not uh, you're not with it, I
6: guess. Hell, yeah, with this committee, there's some of those Big 12 teams will be, you know, way out in front number one <laughs> yeah. uh, with the way they view things.
7: Yeah. Well, Cole, uh, last week uh, you were a busy man, as, as you typically are during college football season, but one of the games you got to take in was the Iron Bowl. You're an Auburn guy. I was just curious your thoughts on year one here with Hugh Freeze and uh, your, your feelings coming out of that game on, on what you saw and, and how great of a contest that was.
6: The game was amazing. Um, my – first off with Hugh Freeze, I think he had a good year one. I think there were there were some things that he needed to learn that he did throughout the course of the year. I think there will be some adjustments made year two. Uh, I think there will probably be some frustrations with not going younger at certain positions because they could have developed guys throughout the course of the year and the record probably wouldn't have been much different. Uh, I think they looked at a couple of veterans that they got through the portal that they, they thought maybe could get them to seven or eight wins. It didn't really play out that way. But they were competitive in a couple of games that most fans, you know, if you if you really go look at the schedule, they won the majority of the games that they were supposed to, minus New Mexico State, who by the way is a ten-win football team playing for their conference title tomorrow. I called one of their games. They're, it's actually a good football team. They got players, and then they lost most of the games that you would have thought they would have lost beginning of the year. So I don't think it was a, a season that was way far ahead of where a lot of people thought they'd be, or way far behind where a lot of people thought they'd be. I thought it was pretty satisfactory um the iron bowl itself man um my view on this is very different and probably not what you guys would expect um i had never attended i have three children they're they're eight six and three Um uh, my daughter's eight and have two sons that are six and three we had never been to a college football game together uh hmm. i had never taken them to a college football game much less an wow. auburn game now they were on the sideline with me for the Auburn-Texas A&M game in Auburn last year before the game, but I had to work that game. So, you know, five minutes before kick, they're gone. I go to work. It's it's all she wrote. I see them, you know, the next morning because the kids are already asleep. Uh, this is the first time we had been able to do that. And it was it was one of the best days of my life and one of the best weekends of my life. You know, I, I did fine Mom Show. I did – Marty McGee. I did SEC Nation. The kids came to the SEC Nation shit. They popped me up there for a little bit. They came running on set. Um, we were on the sideline for the majority of the game. My son found this Auburn wig. It's like the crazy hair wig, like the Guy Fieri hair. And in our condo that we're staying at, he wants to wear that all day. Regions are passing out those little pull apart signs, and it says War Eagle. And like he just thought that that's what you did at the game. He's flashing it in people's face and. He's dancing all the music. My daughter's waving her pom-pom. My three-year-old fell asleep for about 30 minutes before the game. I was holding him on the field, and then he went for the entire game. He's dancing and running around. Like, to sit there and watch my kids immerse themselves in Auburn football in that environment, as amazing as it was, was everything. I mean, that, it was it, it was kind of something I've always wanted. I've always wanted to introduce them to it that way. Would I have loved for Auburn to win won that game? absolutely was it devastating the way they lost it yes it it absolutely was um and then you know to see like everything put in perspective just how big the spectrum is under the same dna you know the game ends and i kind of walked back over to the equipment trunk that my kids are sitting on and my daughter is my eight-year-old is like ugly crying like she's crying is and it's i mean bad like it's like she's hurt and so you know i give her a big hug and i just tell her i was like listen it makes me love you more that this means a lot to you and that this upsets you. I was like, I love that about you. And here comes my six-year-old son bebopping over there. And he says, what's, what's the problem? What's wrong? It's just a game. It's just a game. What's, what's, what's she so upset about? It's just a game. And I'm sitting there thinking, Oh geez, like you are your mother. She is me. This is (laughs) I'm, I'm looking at both of us in two of our children right here it was an amazing day. It really was. And it was it was a hell of a game. I mean, it was an awesome game to be able to sit there and watch and take in because we were expecting it to be close for a half. And then Alabama maybe start pulling away early second half. We leave, go somewhere else, do something else. But it was, it was awesome to be down there, to stay there, to see it. I mean, like watching my three-year-old just watch the band come out and just how mesmerized he was. At like all this noise and all these people in uniform. I'm just trying to put my brain in his brain. And like what he's even attempting to comprehend at field level, what's happening, watching the Eagle fly. I mean, it was just, it, it was an incredible day. It really was. That,
9: that
5: is one heck of a story, Cole. Absolutely. And look, I'll tell you, as a person who grew up a Red Sox fan and then they, they became really good, it's better to understand the pain when you're young so you appreciate the glory when it happens.
6: So... Yeah, I don't, I don't really like sharing this part of it, but before the final snap, I'm, I'm sitting up there. They're, on, they're standing on this equipment box. One of those big, you know, the big crates that they move around the sideline. They're both, like, draped over my back. And I was like, I want you guys to watch the play. I want you to watch the field because you will remember this the rest of your life. Little did I know what I was setting them up for. Um, and actually, one of the things my daughter said, she said, you said I'll remember this forever. And I was like, you will. This is your first Auburn game with your dad. Like, you will always remember being down here with me, going to your first Auburn game with dad. Like, you'll never forget this. And so, I had to try to spin it into a positive, but – Um, maybe a big misstep by me with that setup there before the final (laughs) half of the game.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Um we gotta talk about the game this weekend. I'm curious your thoughts on Bobby Petrino back to Arkansas, especially given he did an interview uh yesterday and basically kind of, you know, shed light on Jimbo gave him he's like, Here, here's the terminology, here's my playbook. You're here to call my plays, and that he spent most of his time trying to learn that terminology uh the entire offseason and didn't sleep.
6: Yeah, I hate to tell Bobby, but uh, that ain't new, buddy. Um, I talked to Cedric Van Pran, Georgia Center, uh, at SEC Media Days. He told me they use the exact terminology of last year. Uh, go talk to Lane Kiffin or Bill O'Brien uh, or Brian Dayball. They've all used the exact same language at Alabama. That's not new. I understand he doesn't want to do that or didn't like that, but he's trying to get sympathy from folks, and this happens all over the place. This, this that's, that's where it is because – intelligent head coaches don't want their players to go learn to to learn new terminology. It should be a lot easier for an individual coach to go learn new terminology. So I I got no sympathy for him on that. And there really shouldn't be anybody who feels sorry for him because that's not like some Jimbo being a jerk type of a deal. That's just, that's actually becoming the norm around college football. Um, I think Bobby can call plays. I think he's a good play caller. I think he's a very good offensive coordinator Uh, I'll be interested to see what he has to work with because you have a really good running back room. You did not have a good offensive line. You have a good young core of tight ends. You have wide receivers that are good receivers, but they can't separate last year. They they lacked speed and big play potential at that position. And you're just not going to be a high powered offense with receivers that can't pull away. So I think a lot of it's going to depend on that roster and what they can add and what returns and what comes back. But, Listen, I'll never say Bobby can't call plays. I mean, he, he, is, he is a great play caller. And I do think his demeanor being offset by Sam Pittman and Travis Williams and, and Cody Kennedy and some of the other coaches on that staff will be very helpful because he's, he's rough around the edges now. I mean, he, he's not a super friendly guy, but having some other really good, cool, uh, quality personalities in that facility will probably help him.
7: All right, Cole, the big game on Saturday, one of uh, you know several big games on Saturday, but out there uh, in Atlanta, it'll be the Dogs and the Tide. Uh, can't wait to see this one. Uh, obviously, a lot of playoff implications here for both teams involved, but also you've got Texas and teams like that on the outside looking in. Uh, very curious about this final score. What do you think about the game this weekend, and, and what stands out to you about it?
6: I think it's got a chance to be a great one, a classic. Uh, I mean, you could all the numbers. Nick Saban ten and one in SEC championship games. Alabama's three and zero against Georgia in the SEC championship game. You know, Saban. um, I I, I think he's eight and eight and two against a eight and eight and three against AP number one teams all time. I mean, the next closest coach only has four wins against the number one AP team. It's just some of the numbers are ridiculous. Maybe the most ridiculous number heading into this game, and there's a laundry list of just stupid Nick Saban statistics that we could throw out. Guys, this is the fourth time that they've been an underdog since 2010. Crazy. Crazy. 13 college football seasons. They have not been favored (laughs) by Vegas to win four times. Like, that's just dumb when you think about it. Uh, I think what has given these two defenses trouble the last couple of weeks is misdirection, eye candy, motion, pre- and post-movement laterally, read plays, option plays, RPOs. What I see as a problem for Georgia is they can't really morph into that. They can't become that. Now, Alabama has the opportunity to install and and sort of mold their offense into being a lot more of that. Uh, With Jalen Milrow, they have quarterback runs. They have RPOs. They have read plays, read option plays, in which the quarterback has the ability to keep it and then read different players that they can put in I think that'll be a big advantage for Alabama in this game. And I also don't think that that Georgia can win the game from the pocket. They're going to have to run the football, and some of the teams that they've had success running against recently has made life a lot easier on that rushing attack. They've been very aggressive up front. Ole Miss was. Tennessee was. Removing themselves from a lot of their gaps, trying run stunts, that Georgia just happened to hit north and south and then be out the gate. So can Georgia move this defensive front? I think it's going to be difficult. I don't think they can win the game from the pocket. Now, Carson, if, if we come back Monday and we're talking about Georgia had won this game, one of two things is going to happen. Either that offensive line is going to have a big day running the football and they actually push people around, or two, Carson Beck was masterful in the quick game. If he gets the ball out on time and he gets the ball out quickly and Georgia has success with catch and run and they have the players to do that, guys like Brock Bowers, probably Dylan Bell out of the backfield, then Georgia can win this football game. If they don't, I think Dallas Turner and Chris Braswell can cause a lot of problems. If Jalen Milrow protects the football and can break that defense down with his legs, either by design or from the pocket. See, Roman Harper agrees with me. We did our show Monday. He made a pretty good point that I think is interesting. He thinks they should throw the football 35, 36 times because he knows six to 10 of those are going to turn into run plays. I don't know if you take that risk per se, but – there feels like more ways that the Alabama offense can be problematic for the Georgia defense as where the Georgia offense kind of has to do one or two things really well. If they're going to go find a way to win this football game.
5: Cole, thank you so much. Enjoy the weekend. Uh, thanks for hopping on the show. Great stuff. That story about your family is awesome. I'm, we're gonna we got to just put that up on YouTube by itself. It, it's such a great story that I think more people need to hear about. Just go enjoy the game with your family. That was that was an excellent story.
6: It was so awesome. It's, you can at Cole Cubelic like Twitter Instagram. I got a couple pictures up of just the game and all of us together. It was it was it was an amazing weekend. I appreciate you guys letting me share it. Cole, thanks a lot. Have a great weekend.
5: Thanks for, thanks for having me, guys. That's Cole Kubelik, uh ESPN, and the SEC Network. And yeah, uh, you know, I do think, like, yeah, you got to get the pain out of the way early, right? Like, yeah. you got to, that way you learn it, and then you build up to when it happens, you're like, oh my gosh, you know, mm. look at this. This was awesome because you've experienced that, you know, um, I think kids who grew up Patriots fans are feeling that now in reverse, right? Right. Yeah, yeah.
7: (laughs) Or those folks that you grew up with who just happened to be Yankees, Lakers, Cowboys fans in the mid-90s, you know, (laughs) from like 95 to 2000. Yeah. Just like – Oh, you're also a Red Wings fan. That's weird. That's yeah. kind of all Carolina over the basketball. place. Yeah, my,
5: yeah, <laughs> my North favorite. Yeah, North
7: Carolina basketball, yeah. Alabama football. You know, yeah. just it yeah. just happened that you way. Just, you
5: just like walk through their room and it's like there's a picture of Troy Aikman and Michael Jordan and <laughs> right, Derek yeah. Jeter and like you're like yeah. oh like you it's all my just, favorite players. And then you like you go see them 20 years later. Like man, I love Tom Brady. Yeah, just love Tom Brady. And I love show uh, not what video Otani. I love the Astros. You know. Yeah, big Astros fan. <laughs> yeah, all of that, yeah. that That's how it would be. But,
7: the, see, I, I do think – I think people that people there are like that because I definitely grew up around somebody like that. Uh, yeah, you don't really experience the real, true emotions of victory and what that yeah. actually is like if you don't ever experience the low points of it. I mean, yeah. that's that's the whole thing. That's the the roller coaster that you ride, and that's why the highs are, are so high. And um, Yeah, so I think that's an awesome story, as you said, and, and very cool to hear that and uh, doing a good job there,
5: yeah. Yeah, absolutely. When we come back, Mickey Spagnola, DallasCowboys.com from AT&T Stadium, where the Cowboys are about to take on the Seahawks. This is 365 Sports.
1: In our logo and advertising, we say we are people that you can count on. What does that mean? It starts with providing a quality vehicle and quality service at a fair price. But it also means we do what we say we will do and we treat people fairly with respect. It starts by hiring great people, good local folks who work hard with a caring attitude. Our employees are the real reason we are people that you can count on. Put us to the test and see for yourself that at Richard Car Motors, we are people you can count on.
2: Waco Custom Marketplace 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco is your... Holiday item superstore Half spiral hams eight to ten pounds for four forty five a pound pit hams twelve pounds for four forty five a pound bone in hams eighteen to twenty two pounds for three forty per pound whole raw turkeys from twelve to sixteen pounds for two fifty a pound whole smoked turkeys that's smoked turkeys at nine to twelve pounds for three dollars and seventy five cents a pound and mini pit hams six to eight pounds for five dollars and 99 cents a pound and don't forget they have full service butcher shop where you can find what you want pork poultry seafood and beef and I bring up the beef because big beef tenderloin or a prime rib Brian Bauer and the Bauer family full service bakery with fresh baked kolaches every morning and bread and cold beer and wine tailgate needs from pellet fuel to charcoal Waco custom marketplace and the holiday items 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco (laughs)
4: This is 365 Sports. It's time for our weekly segment with Mickey Spagnola of DallasCowboys.com. Prescott fires. Touchdown. Brought to you by the First National Bank of Central Texas with five locations to serve you.
7: All right, welcome back here into 365 Sports. Awaiting Mickey Spagnola of DallasCowboys.com. We'll make a. Quick note here, though, or we'll pass along a quick note here. Uh, Baylor making the hire uh, official when it comes to Jake Spavittal as their new offensive coordinator. And I wondered earlier about how that would affect, for example, the quarterbacks coach there and Sean Bell, tight ends coach open with Jeff Grimes. Well, Sean Bell will be staying on staff. He will be moving to tight ends where they had a vacancy, and Jake Spavittal will be taking over quarterbacks. Bing, bang, boom, done. There you go. Uh, Sean Bell, now tight ends coach, Spavitol, quarterback and O.C. coach, and there you have it.
5: And we'll see where else uh, that happens on the staff. Mickey Spagnola, DallasCowboys.com, in the tunnel at AT AT&T Stadium right now. And, Mickey, uh, this is a Cowboys team that enters this game very much on a roll. Uh, The Seahawks, um, you know, uh, this is a a good team and, and a good challenge. What do you think the biggest challenge for the Cowboys will be tonight against Seattle?
1: You know, um, I think themselves. uh, I think that, you know, Seattle, having lost three of their last four games, uh, I think that, number one, they just got to make sure that they've taken this game seriously, and that should have been done already. Uh, I think the biggest challenge for them is to make sure uh, that they don't let uh, Geno Smith beat them. He's been sacked 13 times in the last four games, and so Uh, I think pressure on him is going to be very important. And then I'll tell you, uh, J. Ron Kurse, I asked him, so what's the key to stopping this this offense? And he said, tackling, tackling, tackling. So we can go there uh, because they've got some big dudes on that offense, and you've got to be able to make sure D.K. Metcalf doesn't hurt you uh, with his size. And the way to stop him is to stop Geno Smith.
5: Mickey, uh, I remember, you know, when the Cowboys kind of went into the year with Stephon Gilmore, that was addressing a need at cornerback, um, which they certainly had, and and he's played excellent. Uh, But Deron Bland has been the story with Trayvon Diggs out. Uh, How just uh, jaw-dropping has his season been, and how does Dan Quinn do this better than just about everybody else, especially when it comes to the defensive back position?
1: Well, let's remember this. Deron Bland was starting when Diggs was on the field. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was starting in the slot. And he started last year, if you remember, Mm -hmm. when uh, uh, Anthony Brown went down. You know, he had been kind of working in the slot when uh, Jordan Mm -hmm. Lewis got hurt. And then when Anthony Brown went down, he worked outside. I think everybody forgot he led the team in interceptions last year. Not interceptions for touchdowns, right? At interceptions. So it was a natural you know, progression when Diggs went down. Okay, Bland, you're outside. Uh, and then they were fortunate enough to get uh, Jordan Lewis back in time to get back into the slot. So it kind of worked out. I think the the, the, the good thing was is think about where they would have been if they didn't trade for Stephon Gilmore. They would have been in real trouble, I think, trying to figure out who was going to play that other uh, quarterback spot. And I guarantee you uh, when Diggs went down and, you know, they, they said, okay, well, we're not throwing at Gilmore. Might as well throw at Duron Bland. Well, now they're not throwing at him. And if you saw what Carolina did, uh, they, they basically completed more than half their passes to Phelan coming out of the slot.
5: So, um, it's been an interesting year for the Dak Prescott uh, hater mob in that uh, he has um, hit his stride in a way that's that's just that's just been really awesome to watch. Um, uh, you know, watch with his team. Uh, what is the biggest difference you see in that they've done with him these last three weeks or four or five weeks, and keep kind of continuing to mold things? It's not kind of been the same
1: each week. The offensive line. If you think about what took place early in the season uh, when they didn't have their starting five there, think about what happened against Arizona when you had three backups starting uh, on the offensive line. Uh, the offensive line now has been able to play three, four weeks together. There's some continuity there. He's getting better protection these last, what, three weeks? He hasn't been sacked. Uh, and, and, and to emphasize that, the other question you're probably going to ask me is, well, what's got into Tony Pollard? Well, I don't think it's a coincidence that Dak's playing well. Pollard now is starting to hit his stride. But that offensive line has been playing awfully well. Uh, so you can't – you're not playing singles at quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. you got to have a team around you. And I think it certainly helped that the offensive line – uh, is playing well, and they've had some continuity now for the past month, and I think it showed up in in both to, in Tony Pollard and Dak Prescott.
5: Mickey Shaq, Leonard, I know he, he stopped by for a visit uh, and then he went to Philadelphia. Uh, the Cowboys are not you normally want to do this in the middle of the season unless they're really desperate for a position. If he does decide to sign with the Cowboys and the Cowboys have... Um, and brought him in. Does that mean that they are totally okay with his medicals or are they, is that to me that they really, really do, and they do need some help at linebacker?
1: No, I think the first thing they checked was the medical mm-hmm. uh, to make sure that, you know, you're not signing a guy that's going to end up on injured reserve. Right. Uh, so I think that's the first thing that they had to settle with. And then some of that has to do with how much you pay them by what that medical says. Uh, and so I think they were fine with maybe how he was playing. Uh, I, I, I hear they somewhat fine uh, with the medical. Uh, and as Jerry said, now it's a matter of trying to knock out a deal. Well, one hang up could be, and I didn't realize this until I was reading the Philadelphia papers. Nick Sirianni was the offensive coordinator for three years uh, when Leonard was with the Colts. So he had a connection there with him. So I don't know if that'll sway him one way or the other. And they're pretty desperate for linebacker. They lost uh, N'Kobe Dean. Uh, and, and then this past week, they lost Zach Cunningham, who was their leading tackler. So their need uh, for a linebacker is probably more than what the Cowboys need is. But the Cowboys have more money, although – You're looking at it shouldn't be a matter of money because he's going to make a million dollars a game from the Colts uh, that owe him uh, guaranteed money. So maybe you get a sweetheart deal. We'll see how it goes. But, you know, they've been winning games without Leighton Vanderish, but it would be nice to have a little bit more uh, experience depth if that's what they think he can give them. And don't forget, they did sign Rashawn uh evans mm-hmm. right uh and he hasn't played all that much uh but they do have that and you know what you know michael parsons can play linebacker let's not forget that yeah that's
5: absolutely true well mickey uh enjoy the game get up to the get up to your spot or well i guess you still have some time to be down there on the field but uh thanks for hopping on game day enjoy it tonight we'll talk to you next week Okay, Paul, talk to you. Take care. That's Mickey Spagnola, DallasCowboys.com with us here. When we come back, the top five, this is 365 Sports.
7: texas.com member FDIC an equal housing lender
1: In Texas there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail Guess which one hit our house We didn't even know where to begin but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent and he was so reassuring he knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal Now we're even more thankful for
5: the roof over our heads stop by and see our agents at one of our three mcclennan county locations coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation
2: Three Nations Brewing Company has 16 different beers on draft with a new beer every Friday. It also offers two air-conditioned tap rooms, a large indoor beer hall, a second-floor mezzanine offering a great overview of the brewing company and equipment and patio where you can relax under the shade. Plus, you can now experience the new Three Nations Beer Garden Grill on our shaded patio. Grab a cold beer and enjoy a bite from our freshly prepared and delicious menu. Street tacos, quesadillas, freshly cooked burgers and dogs, and veggie burgers, too. Nachos and and so much more all prepared and cooked on site. So come visit the award-winning Three Nations Brewing Company on East Vandergrift off I-35 in Carrollton. I
12: hate my job, but I don't mind getting up in the morning. I dread each day, but I can't wait to get out of bed. You ask me why, and what I'll say to you is true. Well, you can get breakfast tacos at Rudy's Barbecue. Scrambled eggs and brisket, they ain't fooling around salsa drafts on they're the best in town barbecue for breakfast yes it's true put a smile on your morning at rudy's barbecue
3: for Paul Catalina's Top 5 brought to you by Texas Beef House. Where's the best beef in Texas? Your house when you order from Texas Beef House. Unleash the flavor of Texas Raised Wagyu. From our pasture to your plate. TexasBeefHouse.com
5: Top 5 best matches for Portal QBs. And Emery loves this Portal icon, this graphic he gets to use. So I think anytime I send him a portal one, and I'll mind you, there were a couple of guys that jumped in that uh, happened, and it's gonna like it's gonna be hard to keep up with. Like, I'm gonna try to do some portal stuff next week because it's really interesting, but it is starting to move so fast that yeah. if I leave anything out or uh emory's gonna have to be ready because we might have to change something where i'll do one in the morning and send it to him so we can do the graphics and then by the afternoon it's moot <laughs> so uh, it's happened to us a couple times i had one um last year that like
7: i was all excited for it and then by the time i got to the show it's was like well that's over <laughs> yeah i mean for all we know here in 15 minutes like name a guy could jump and you know fly into the portal and shake up the entire thing yeah. so yeah it's 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 a very uh minute by minute almost or hour by hour kind of deal now at this stage and it's only going to get crazier here in about three days so yep. yeah
5: number five tyler van dyke was at miami wake forest he knows the acc he's had success in the acc i think the slow mesh offense would help cut down on his turnovers plus being so run heavy um i hate i would like I, I I don't like it when you have to like, like give up on guys or like it's just maybe not a fit there at Miami anymore or he's kind of been exposed in that offense and and needs some new blood. I, I but I do think that of the guys who's in who've had some success and Tyler Tyler Van Dyke did two years ago at Miami. Uh, I think Wake Forest is a good match for him because of the offense that Dave Clawson runs and they are without a quarterback completely on that roster so. I uh, would not be surprised. I would have thought SMU for him because of Rhett Lashley, but Preston Stone is coming back next year, even though he's, he's been yeah. injured. So he's not going to go there and start. But he would go and start probably at
7: Wake Forest. Uh, yeah, most likely. And you're right about Preston Stone. He's still got some eligibility uh, left to take care of. That was really unfortunate, though, man. That was that was yeah. a bummer that he got hurt. He was having a really terrific year as a uh, semi-finalist for the Earl Campbell Tyler Rose Award that we uh, put out there yesterday and uh, very deserving of that. But yeah, I didn't even put together Ritt Lashley and, and Van Dyke, but you're right. I mean, he's gone and, and grabbed a few other uh, Miami guys now at this point, so uh, that certainly is uh, possible. But you're you're uh, exactly right in that with Preston Stone, you you don't need to look that route. But yeah, uh, you're you're right as far as the uh, ACC familiarity. Uh, I'll leave it to the experts as far as his fit and you know the offense and things like that. But there is a need and a want and on both sides here. So yeah, wouldn't have to travel too far per se uh, from where he is, but pretty much anywhere not in the state of florida is far away from miami but yeah. uh yeah that that'd be that be an interesting fit look there's places in the state of florida that are far away. i know yeah i was yeah. thinking about it, like tallahassee to miami tallahassee it, to miami is yeah. a
5: long way pensacola to miami is a long right. way uh and you really know that when you live there and miami tries to get you to pay for something there like the you know they'll, like there'll be like a, a a bond type election where it's like pay for this in miami like i'm never gonna go to that
9: yeah
7: it's eight hours from here what are you talking about i think us in this <laughs> part of the state we think of and i think people probably do this with texas like dallas is and El Paso are close. It's like, no, nope. they're not. They're not anywhere close. It's like a day's drive to get to no. them. But I think of the East Coast, it's like, yeah, West Virginia's close to, remember, like, when every yeah. team, oh, they're close to Connecticut and Cincinnati and so on and so forth. We have no idea what we're yeah, talking we, about with geography. No, but, I mean, like, it's still, like, here, it's – Yeah. It, it, it's, it's, He's on the eastern seaboard. Yeah. And he could stay on the eastern seaboard, so to speak. But yeah. And, the, and and in the ACC, and, and, yeah, that would seem to work out well for both parties. But, yeah, really disappointing year for him – uh, given just kind of the expectation rolling in. I know Miami fans are convinced that it's going to be a big NIL party again this offseason, and that's all that they need, really. Uh, but certainly his, uh, his I guess, uh, showing was, was not what was expected heading into this yeah, uh, season.
5: Absolutely. Number four, speaking of Miami, KJ Jefferson at Miami. Garrett, I want your opinion on this one. Shannon Dawson is the offensive coordinator there, at least for now. Um, they they were better on offense this year than they were a year ago. Quarterback is the position they have to lock down. KJ Jefferson is super athletic and needs a new voice. I think Shannon Dawson, who was really successful at Houston, um, I guess with Derek King, he would have been there with him. Uh, And Derek King went to Miami. Uh, K.J. Jefferson and De'Art King, similar skill sets, although uh, K.J. Jefferson's a lot bigger uh, than De'Art King is. But a mobile guy who can move around, I think that would be a shot in the arm for Miami's offense and that he could be somebody who could bridge the gap until they get the guy in there who they can develop uh, because they haven't had that yet. And I know they started Emory Williams at the end of the year before he broke his arm in the FSU game. But I think KJ Jefferson of Miami makes a lot of sense to me. No, I think it does too. I mean, he would just definitely need some more playmakers to work with, especially after listening to Cole and talk about the what his array of receivers at uh, Arkansas that didn't do him much favors. No, I think it would be a good fit. Uh, let him cut loose, use his legs some. I think having played up against the SEC, going to the ACC and seeing those defenses, uh, he should navigate that as well. Uh, no, I think it'd be a definitely a good fit for him in South Beach.
7: Yeah, they yeah, uh, got some some targets out there. You've Got Restrepo is a lot of fun, and, yeah. and some other guys that uh, yeah, he could definitely sling it around too. But uh, KJ Jefferson lost Kendall Bryles, and it's kind of the wheels fell off right with uh, without that without that relationship being in place this year. And obviously Sam Pittman's on the hot seat, so I don't blame K.J. Jefferson for deciding to to move with all the changes that are going on. But uh, certainly, I mean, like I said, Miami seems like they're going to be uh... – Big game hunting this offseason in the portal, and he would certainly be a a big target and at a big area of need. So, yeah, I could see that.
5: Yeah, look, I wouldn't be surprised to see them get the Will Howard game either. I I, I think anybody, really. But, yeah, I I need to look further into,
7: like, who fits fits. But, yeah, certainly there's multiple options out there for them. They're going to land somebody out of the portal pretty obviously, yeah. Yeah. Number
5: three, Grayson McCall, Auburn. Um, I think this is I, – I think this was – maybe maybe the bridge was burned last year when he, he got back in the – you know, he went back to, to Coastal after all this. I'm not sure, but uh, I just think that – You've got a guy who's won a lot. Um, He's probably a guy who can play well in the SEC, especially with some of the playmakers I think Auburn's going to bring in. You heard Cole Kubelik in the last segment talk about, you know, where Auburn, like, they're about where they should be under Hugh Freeze year one. Hugh Freeze needs his quarterback. He clearly doesn't have it right now. Uh, Grace McCall's won a lot. Obviously, that was under Jamie Chadwell. Jamie Chadwell's at Liberty. Um, But – you know, I just think this makes too much sense not to happen. But Auburn might be in it for another quarterback, and there might be a hundred other guys in the portal that are better than Grayson McCall come Monday. We we don't know, but I do think this is a fit, especially if you get a veteran in there that can that can run things and run that offense at Hugh Freed's, uh pretty well. I think Grayson McCall uh, and Auburn are a nice fit.
7: So you just giving up on Peyton Thorn just like that? No, I, I, yeah, yeah I, saying, yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah I totally am. Yeah. No, I mean that's understandable. Yeah, I mean they could definitely stand to improve there. I mean, I've seen a lot of smoke about Philip Montgomery, um, but nothing like official. But there's you know rumors flying around about him possibly being out, but I haven't seen I, anything I, official I, on that. I'm
5: not. I'm not surprised because there's no way that he called the plays, and because that's Hugh Freeze's deal. Yeah. And so that was probably a good. I, I always thought that was going to be a one-year hitch for him right. at, at Auburn, um, because he—I mean he's just out at Tulsa just a year ago. So I always yeah. thought it was going to be a one-year deal. And there are places um, that run the—you know—that offense that will hire Philip Montgomery in a heartbeat. So all over the SEC right now, yeah. <laughs> so, Tennessee
7: yeah. at Mississippi State about to be at Oklahoma. Uh, yeah. Well, we'll see what kind of changes they make with Latrell there. Um, but compared to Lebby's, you know, background. But but yeah, I mean it's Oliver. He he's he's one of the originals, I guess, of that. Well, and look, it, like, of it wouldn't
5: surprise me to see him go work with Levy. Yeah. You know, like that yeah. You know, like yeah, that. I mean there's
7: there's rumors about him rumors about Bryals or Kendall Browse. Mm-hmm. That that part will be interesting. Like, does he have more leeway in that regard yeah. to hire familiar faces even though they're from that that time, or is that like completely off limits of like you can't hire your brother in well, law? I I wonder
5: if they'll just let him uh, acknowledge that his father-in-law is alive. Right. I mean, is he going like, be able to wear Auburn gear and
7: be on? Yeah. I don't know. Or, I don't know about all yeah, of that. You know, yeah. I don't know. So we'll see. But, but Grayson McCall would make a lot of sense for hmm. them and, uh, and would be a great pickup uh, for sure. And yeah, I'm very curious to see what all uh, he gets as far as suitors. I've seen, what was it? I saw yesterday um, like Florida state speculation in regards to him and, and a couple of other guys since uh, you figured Jordan Travis will be leaving. Um, but Certainly uh, Auburn would would fit the bill, yeah, number two, will Howard at
5: nebraska uh if Riley look well we'll get to the first one in a second, but let's just say Riley Leonard is off the board for Nebraska, which I think he's a great fit there, but I think he's probably going elsewhere, and you'll see that in a second, um, but I think will Howard at Nebraska is a great fit, I think that that with the the toughness the that Nebraska will play with the style of Offense they run, and want, run want to run, his skill set, um, that will work out well. They need to get more skilled players, not just him, but I think that we may not even know how good their wide receivers and running backs are because the quarterbacks
7: were just so bad this Dude, year. Harburg led them in rushing. Yeah. It's not like he started every game all year long either. I mean, yeah. That's how, like, woeful they were on the, you know, as far as, like, a standout stud type of a of a running back. So, yeah, yeah. they could stand to, to grab some weapons and surround – Will Howard or whoever else with some some fun toys.
5: Yeah, uh, so you know I think I think it's a great fit. And you know, look if they're going to go spend that million dollars, I think that's that's a good million they could spend. Now again, we don't know. I could change this list again on Monday when when the list changes.
7: Yeah, you know for sure.
5: I, I don't think I, I think DJU would be a good fit there as well um, in the kind of offense that they
7: run. Yeah, just know what kind of Matt Rule's style. I mean, somebody who's got the ability to. to- make plays with their feet, but, uh, yeah, Will Howard kind of checks the boxes of uh, just a solid, proven, veteran, big-game, playing, you know, just good quarterback. I mean, he's not the best quarterback in this class, but he is, I think, one of the better ones, and, again, it'll kind of just depend on who all continues to join this thing, but, I mean, he's he's a Big 12 champion. He won mm. the, the title a year ago, and, you know, he's got a phenom behind him potentially – um and it was a very up and down year at Kansas State, but I think a change in scenery could do him good, and he's he's very solid. So yeah, I think he'd definitely be a, an upgrade for Nebraska and a lot of other programs for that matter. Kyle
5: Vister said Dante Moore to Michigan. I mean, it might be Michigan State. Who knows? Dante it Moore, be Oregon. Dante, yeah, I mean, Dante Moore is going to be able to just sit sit around and and let the phone ring for. That
7: yeah, event. I mean, it's there's just so many dadgum guys to sort through here. Yeah, and he's not all on like, this
5: list because he just like. It happened after. Yeah, and we
7: we still, with him, unlike a Will Howard, like we've seen so little in comparison to a lot of the other veteran quarterbacks as well, but no, you're right. Uh, you say Chris said yeah. that? Chris, Yeah, so you're right, Chris, that uh, that could very well be possible. I mean, he'll certainly be sought after, and yeah, just line everybody up, man. It's going to be a wild ride seeing where all of these guys land and all the other ones that we don't even know about yet. Yeah.
5: Number one, Rylan Leonard at Notre Dame. Notre Dame is probably just going to keep doing this for a little while if it works. I mean, you know, yeah. if it works, and then like that allows them to maybe finally find their quarterback that they can sit for a year and then be the guy for a, a, a while. They have, um, they have a nice enhanced NIL package. At Notre Dame. It's only going to keep getting bigger. Um, look, they, um I have. I'll tell you this. In my life as a Catholic, the only time a church ever closes is that they want to move the building. Like, so yep. Notre Dame's all part of that. <laughs> there's not, like, I know there's, like, somebody can probably tell me a story of, like, oh, that's really tragic and sad. But for the most part, like, the church closes because, like, yeah, well, this neighborhood's kind of changed. There's not anybody here anymore. We're going to move this church over to here, and that's where it's going to be because we're going to build a new building. Unless you and, What? Unless Jones. Okay? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. closed <But>, baby. <laughs> Hurricanes coming, closed. <laughs> but uh, but Notre Dame, uh, they they're gonna have they're gonna have as much um, you know as they want. They now it's Notre Dame, they've cleared <laughs> out their all, wide receiver room is gonna be essentially empty. Like they keep losing guys in that, so they've got to do something about that. Uh, but Riley Leonard plus some playmakers at wide receiver, I, I think you'll see Notre Dame probably step up uh, even more I think as much as you know I like Sam Hartman um they didn't give him the playmakers Riley Leonard um it to me is the same or maybe even a little bit better than than Sam Hartman uh as far as his overall skill set goes and so uh if he winds up in Notre Dame which is the rumor that they, they think is going to happen then um uh, you know the Irish are going to be well set up next year
7: yeah I mean Sam Hartman still had a fine year I mean it just yeah. wasn't like he was in the Heisman race or anything like mm-hmm. that and um I think if it's a situation where doing the whole transfer portal quarterback thing works for you and your desired destination like Notre Dame is, uh, then, yeah, why not uh, go to that well again uh, as opposed to the struggles you had in just trying to maintain it in-house, right? I mean, it seems like you took a step forward by, by using the portal. So, I mean, it's a rumor, but it's also what basically every national reporter attached to this story had out there almost immediately was, look for Notre Dame here. Watch out for Notre Dame. That was, like, included in every mention of this. So that, that was a, a big flashing sign of what's likely to happen. And if, you know, the Irish get him, then that would be a a really good pickup. And I just hated that he got hurt when, when he did. That's, you know, that was such a fun story there with Duke. And I don't know how many Duke football fans there are, but what a double whammy of a situation yeah. Only, what, probably Oregon State worse yeah. off maybe than you as far as in your yeah. feelings right now. I'm sure there's others that are contenders for that too. But, okay. uh, yeah, Riley Leonard to Notre Dame just seems like it's a, it's a given at this point. But, and that'd be one domino that falls, but a lot of other opportunities you, open. You are know, talk about a gamer. Here,
5: if you watch the FSU game where he got hurt and that was pretty much kind of it for Riley Leonard, he was trying to get back in the game and... And they showed him on the sideline, like trying to run through this ankle sprain. And then the trainer, like I could read his lips. He's like, no, I'm running as fast as you. Like mm-hmm. I, like you can't go in if I'm doing this, the same speed that like that's basically like, no, like you're not going as fast as you think you are. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. he's like, I think they're trying to convey to him. Like, I know that you think you can do this, but this is not necessarily just about you not hurting anymore. It's about the guys over there that did this to you, uh, aren't hurt and you are and we don't want it to be worse but he is an absolute gamer i have nothing but respect for riley leonard the way he plays the game uh and he will he will improve your locker room even if it's already good like he's that kind of guy to bring in thank you to all our guests today um everything that uh, everybody we've had Angelique Changelis, cole Kubelik, uh max olsen mickey spagnola I'm leaving somebody out. Uh, Taylor McArg. Thanks Cole to all of them. Yeah, Did you say his name. Yeah, I said okay. his name. Uh, Craig Smoke, Garrett Ross, and Emery Winter making his debut. Uh, his beautiful face that was sitting right here at 3:45. Thanks to Emery, sexy
7: 32 one. on Twitter. I think is, I think I got that right. If you <laughs> yeah. want to go follow yes. him,
5: uh, he is. Believe me, ladies, he's on the apps. He's swiping right. Yeah. just just get just get there and find him. This is 365 Sports. We're back tomorrow with Baylor coach Dave Aranda
4: ideal mri is a small family business right here in central texas we're open to support you while lowering the cost of healthcare care bills when you need an mri ask your doctor for an ideal mri